Welcome to the Hog Call Podcast. This is Chad. And this is Tim. Be sure to subscribe to the Hog Call on your favorite podcast directory. iTunes, Google Play, TuneIn, Stitcher, whatever you'd like, we're on them all. The Hog Call is only live, real-time, uncut, uncensored, Razorback podcast. Created by fans for fans. Friend us on Facebook at Hog Call Podcast or follow us on Twitter at Hog Call Podcast. Chad runs the Facebook page and Tim runs the Twitter page. Support the Hog Call Podcast by helping us spread the word. Give us a five-star rating and leave a comment, even if it's just Go Hogs. This will go a long way to allow other Razorback fans find the podcast more easily. If you'd like to throw a tip our way, you can support the podcast financially by clicking on the link in the show description. We're counting on fan support. Do you have something Hog Call Nation needs to hear? Leave a voicemail by clicking the link in the description below or send an email to hogcallpodcast.gmail.com. Well, it's good to get that mess out of the way. How's it going, Tim? Not good, Chad. My favorite football team, favorite sports team, has lost 14 consecutive SEC games. And the last one, losing to Kentucky. Kentucky football, giving up 330 rushing yards. Just, I'm not going to say the whip ass from the get-go because we started off, you know, Boyd hits a 74-yarder, outruns them. And then and we also take a 13 to nothing lead. So, not that we got whipped from the get-go, but we sure got whipped when it counted. Well, I don't think it matters if you get whipped from the get-go if you don't come up with a W. It was horrible. (laughs) We had a chance to really put it on them from the get-go to really come out there and and attack them and uh, score some points, and we didn't do it. And it was all about play calling. And I think we we can get into that a little bit later and, and uh, you know, really delve into it. I grabbed a uh, 12-pack of these Land Shark. They're cheap, so you can drink a lot more of those. So that helps, you know, get through the... <laughs> Always helps a little bit. Uh. Yeah, to get through the hog pression. So I don't know what what in the world everybody else has going on but that's what i got going on i do got a a bit of hog pressing and i am a bit frustrated i am uh i'm frustrated with some of the fans out there i see a lot of fans who who are talking about on twitter hey you know you got to give you know coach chance you got to let you know coach morris you know have some time and and just excuse after excuse after excuse. And at this point, I feel like they're just they're just Coach Morris apologists. At this point, I feel like they're just grasping at straws. And, you know, we, we had, you know, we always go through our fan mail first, right? And we had JM write in, and that's what he was doing. And it's, all, it's always interesting to see the flip side of the uh of the fan base and to hear you know what they got to say but he sends us a message right after the game saying hey guys i'm gonna say this again hicks is the better qb y'all told me i was wrong yet he's proven <laughs> me right well except for when he worked with craddock 
when he worked with Craddock, he wasn't a good QB. When it was time for him to get out there and start, he had to get pulled out of the game. We had to put Starkle in. And then guess what? Starkle worked with Craddock, and all of a sudden, he can't play anymore. And Hicks didn't, so we throw him in. We saw this last year. Same thing. Every time that a player works closely with Craddock, they wind up being bad. Uh, so hopefully, you know, that's not a trend that continues, but it is the trend. And I think the big thing that that you got to understand is when you see something happening, you can't bury your head in the stand, sand and pretend like it's not happening. This stuff is happening. You know, this is, this is factual stuff. Um, so, you know, it is what it is. He, he came back, he said that, uh, yeah, I told him, I said, I said, basically, you know, hey, you know, you're just proving your point that the coaching staff, you know, isn't good again by saying that because you're, because the coach didn't have the, you know, correct person. And he comes back and he's talking about, you know, uh, Starkle showed he's not able to move the ball. Uh, arm talent only goes so far. Uh, he had an inability to, to make good decisions. Uh, we were one and three with Starkle. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I don't know what this guy's... Well, he's just grasping at straws, man. So far, he's shown that the the, the other team can th- he throw the other team, but not ours. I like guess saying he throws a lot of interceptions, blah, blah, blah. Uh, yeah, but this is after working with Craddock, who, again, has caused Starkle to digress. We've seen digression from our quarterback, not the quarterback being built up. Do you disagree with that, Tim? Or or where do you think I'm on the wrong track? What are you thinking there? No, I don't. I think the, the bigger problem than all that is like you mentioned, it's having to do this two years in a row. Flip-flopping your QB, can't settle on one, mm-hmm. can't coach them, they can't improve. They're not – they're worse than they were the uh, year before or the team before they were with. I mean, yeah, the point's not even – I mean, Hicks didn't exactly – uh, put it on Portland State, and he didn't exactly put it on Ole Miss either. So it's not exactly like you can go back and like, look, Hicks had a. I mean, look, he didn't win either uh, Kentucky game or an A and M game. I like I like um, uh, his effort and coming or playing pretty well or better than I thought he could. But and uh, I'm not sure why the why Coach Morris didn't make that change at halftime rather than you know saying or you know in one in one of his post game press conference or Monday press conference Morris says. Oh, he was uh, Starkle just wasn't there tonight. He was bad. I knew it early kept, in the game, early kept, in the first quarter. Yeah, I knew it. Yeah, it's like I knew it a long time. And we'll take him out then. Mm-hmm. I mean, my gosh. I mean, too. I mean, uh, I'll give the point that Hicks played good against a And We'll take him out, Coach. Mm-hmm. The bigger problem is, uh, look, we don't have a really good quarterback. Neither of them. Are. Um, and the bigger problem is the coach, Coach mm-hmm. Morris. I mean. So that's that's what it comes down to. And I'm sorry, Coach Craddock. Yeah, when you got your quarterbacks yeah. that after you work with them, yeah. they're not they're not uh, they're not pointing their toe to where the throw, throw needs to go, uh, which is causing them like to throw across their body, which is causing them to not be able to throw their elbow, not be able to get good hip turn, uh, which causes them to throw the ball behind the receiver. Oh, we saw it all night long. Um, just really bad mechanics, and that happens from not repping mechanics or, or being told to rep mechanics in the wrong way. Um, now I know Craddock came out and said, Oh, we got to fix this and that. And he pointed to those mechanics also, but at the same time, it's your job to make sure those mechanics are on point. And 
if you have a quarterback that's not performing and you see that his mechanics are not on point, you're up in the box, you have to call down and say, hey, he's not doing the things he's coached to do right now. We got to pull him out. Totally agree with that. So, JM also says that our defense is ranked 130th out of 130th. He says he's sure that we want to fire, uh, you know, the chief, which obviously you must not have listened because we never said we wanted to fire the chief. <laughs> at least I haven't. I've always been supportive of him. I'm starting to become unsupportive of him at this point because he is not performing, but uh, I don't want to fire him. As far as the 130th out of 130th SBS and the in uh, defense as far as our experience goes uh, just just some news for you Alabama actually has the uh, most freshmen on their team and they are much younger than we are and they're not out there losing games LSU very very young team this year uh, there's there's several of them in the SEC they're very young teams this year uh, I believe Florida um, couple other teams and they're doing well and the the issue we're going to have is we can't say oh it's our players our players aren't good enough because we're going to have these players in four years and alabama's players are going to be seniors in four years and you're still going to be blaming those players it's not the players it's the coaches not coaching those players up yeah um yeah we're definitely i don't know how do you think it would be 100 30th when you got seniors like Dejon Harris and a game player, other other seniors and juniors, upperclassmen. Um, there's a few freshmen, but everybody has freshmen. Did you not see? I mean, this is a bigger example, but did you not see the true freshman won the national championship quarterback for Clemson? That never used to happen. Freshmen mm-hmm. are playing. It's not a. That's a, it might be a small reason, but it's not an excuse. Well, there's the a coaching. freshman that won a national championship, and then another freshman that won a national championship the next year. That was Alabama. Same conference we're in. Yeah, no, this is and and I saw another thing. He said delusional fan base is like we're not asking to win a championship this year. We're not asking to win a national championship. Please just beat beat some non-power five teams. Win a couple SEC games. I mean, I, I yeah. So what? I picked eight games the last couple of years. That's not too much to damn ask with this schedule. Splitting your SEC games against crap teams like Ole Miss and Vanderbilt and Kentucky for God's sakes the non-conference schedule we've had, that's not too much to ask. Don't take the job, Chad Morris, if you're not going to – I mean, it's your fault. Nobody should feel sorry for him. Why is anybody apologizing? Yeah, Who why cares? are you being I'm, an apologist for Chad Morris? This is exactly nobody feels doing. sorry for him. He should, He didn't have to take this job. So he's, he goes on to say that, you know, we uh, – that that Mike Irwin and, and other people in media are saying the same things we're saying. So, you know, kudos to us for being on the right track, I'd say, if we're – where up there with some of those uh, those type of, of media guys. I, I really appreciate that compliment. I think that's awesome. Um, so, yeah, I agree. I don't, I don't agree with the delusional fan base. I think, you know, you see bad play calling, so on and so forth. And then, then he goes on and says, oh, well, you want, let me get this straight, you want us to uh, play Boyd, even though he got hurt, and uh, play him instead of, instead of playing him sparingly or whatnot. Well, first off, he didn't get hurt until the, towards the end of the second quarter. Well, we should have been running the ball before that because Stoops is a mastermind at making defensive changes in games, and we know this. We know his adjustments are great. So when you come out on Stoops and you find a weakness and you're able to run the ball on him, you keep doing that over and over again until he can stop you. 
Because once he stops it, you're not going to be able to keep doing it. And we saw that in this game. But what happened with us is that we went away from the run, gave him time to stop it. And what's the use in a hurry up if you're not taking advantage of the weaknesses? That's the whole point of a hurry up. You come out, you run a run play. Oh, they can't stop power. You run power left to right. Throw a trap in there. You keep running. You keep running. You keep running that play. You don't let them substitute. And you don't give them time to make corrections. And you run the score up as much as you can until they stop you. Then you move to the next part of your scheme. But that's not how they run the offense at this, with this team. And to me, that's bad coaching. What do you think? Yeah, well, they sold us a bill of goods when they were hired. Didn't sell me a bill. He wasn't on my anywhere radar for getting a hiring a coach so he wasn't he didn't sell me a bill of goods because he never um he never convinced me he was gonna be the greatest coach ever here but he convinced somebody sold somebody a bill of goods because saying we're gonna have the explosive offense left lane hammer down and all that bullshit that he lied about not even trying to not aggressive not anything and uh I'm, the uh, so many examples through the i mean you, we can go back and uh, one day when we have a good coach and we go back and listen to this um, uh, bottom bottomed out part of Razorback football, we'll go back to our podcast from last season and say, well, we tried to tell warn people again this year. After that Colorado State game, the decisions mm-hmm. he made. On and on last year. Some right. of these games. And then just so many in this game. I mean, then also the left lane hammer down. What about third and two? You got a minute left, two timeouts. Um, even if you don't, you, Whaley's running good. He's averaging five yards a carry. He only gets nine carries in that game. Go for it. Try to score. Exactly. I mean, how ridiculous was that? No, you're right. You're right. And then JM goes on to say he he wanted to uh, refute my uh, my condemnation, I guess, of, of Coach being a bad coach and telling him that like he's a bad – you're pointing out that he's a bad coach by saying he didn't have the correct quarterback in, and he wanted to, to go on and say that the fan base put pressure on him to make sure Starkle played, and that's why he played Starkle was because of the fan base and that, uh, <laughs> you know, blah, blah, blah. Well, look, oh it's his God. job to do what the best thing for the football program to do is, not listen to the fan base. And if that is a hard decision that you have to make as a head coach, that comes along with $3 million making those hard decisions. So, yeah, no, you don't get to say, oh, the fan base put pressure on me, and that's why I did it. And if that's the case, that means he's weak. That means he's a weak-minded coach. Again, you're pointing out another weakness in the coach if that is the case. You're pointing out more bad coaching. Every time you try to excuse this coach, you're pointing out something that is more bad coaching. I, I know that you don't. You think this is all uh, conjecture and opinion, but it's not. It's flat-out fact. You're the one saying it. We're just pointing out to you that it's bad coaching. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um. Yeah, I don't get that part. I don't. I don't really believe that he let the fans tell him to do that. But like you're saying, if he did, that's. A, I mean, what kind of Division One, Power Five, SEC, West school coach listens to what the fans want him to do? Pressure ain't no, no damn Alabama fans pressure Nick Saban ain't no LSU fans pressuring Orgeron or Malzahn no. or he saw he saw how on. the players were playing and he made a decision that looked like it was going to be the right decision even to most folks i don't i don't understand that that why like we have to just accept and think everything he does is is uh 
is the perfect thing. I don't understand. Okay, admit we let's admit they made the who hired him made a mistake. How hard is that? There's been shown no proof that he's a good coach. He hadn't won a Power yeah. Five game yet. He's been a coach what now five and a half year head coach five and a half years doesn't have one Power Five win on his resume. And I know SMU <laughs> is in the group of five, but he still had opportunities. Yeah, uh, to get one. That's what that's what usually um, when coaches are hired from from that group of five or uh, smaller teams because they've pro- they've had a power five win. They've shown mm-hmm. they can beat somebody a bigger program, and so just just let the administration fans. It's okay to admit that they made a made the wrong mistake. It is. It's Ma- okay to admit mistake. this is the wrong coaching. coach. Coach bad coaching hire two in a row. Um, yeah. JM also says that. here he says. This team hasn't quit playing in any game this year. Uh, like, we have players that are quitting for the whole year this year, <laughs> not just, like, quitting games. And I I would argue that I've seen some head hanging and some, you know, really pouting-type looks from our team, just like we had last year when you look at them on the sideline and, and how some of them played. Uh, in some of these games. Yeah, some of these games come down the wire, but you're telling me San Jose State, we played as hard as we could possibly play that whole game? Uh, no. Come on, man. <laughs> Seriously. I mean, that's just obvious, right? Ole Miss getting our ass whipped at Ole Miss. Then he, then, he point, then he says, this is year two for the staff, not the players. What? We, di- <laughs> we didn't have these players last year? You crazy? <laughs> what do you think they were doing? Even, even if, I'm not saying previous staff under billion was a great staff but what do you think they were sitting around playing video games laying around on the couch watching tv all those times and not still being a football player uh why why can't you be able to coach these guys up football players i mean if they're good enough they were good enough in high school to get to a division one scholarship at a razorback scholarship they're good enough to be coached and turned around into made a better player yeah now, I told him, I said, I'm going to address it on the podcast. He goes, well, I won't be listening. I, I stopped listening to you guys three weeks ago, which is weird <laughs> because we know that, well, first off, we have the analytics and know who's listening and where they're listening from and who all in Texas is listening and where they listen from in Texas. But also, you're mentioning stuff that we said on podcasts that were done way less than three weeks ago. So, you know, he says that we uh, bashed the coaches and the majority of our uh, – <laughs> The fan base is the problem, blah, blah, blah. And that's why we lost our commit right after the game because of that. And apparently, JM knows Ty. He talks to him twice a week because uh, he goes to all the Carthage games down there in Carthage, Texas. And uh, like he's on, I guess, talking basis with him. And he said, it's the fan base. That's the reason I don't want to come to the University of Arkansas. And he left... Uh, he left a 2015 article up here to say that the University of Arkansas fans are horrible, and that's the problem with the University of Arkansas is, is the fans being horrible with this 2015 uh, High School Today article that points to, uh, that, what it does is it points to uh, USA, uh, or, or it points, it's USA Today High School Sports article. It points to uh, Under Armour polling of the uh, the recruits or commits or whatnot, and it's actually talking about Florida being the worst school or most annoying fans, which everybody already knows Florida's the most <laughs> annoying fans. And then it hashtags Arkansas, FSU, UGA, Michigan State, Hell State, uh, Vols, Aggies, 
and says, you know, these are the ones the recruits have mentioned that they don't care for fan-wise. And then it goes down further, says it's a dual-edged sword because while it makes life harder for the football team, uh, whenever teams come to play at that school, it makes it, you know, harder for those teams to win playing at that school. So it's more like saying they're the most committed fans, really. And if I'm the most committed fan, if I want to see my team win, and that's and that's a and that's a dig on me that I have that type of commitment, well, I'll take it. I, I like I'll take being in the ranks of Florida, FSU, Georgia, Alabama. I'll take that. Yeah, sounds like uh, th- that's really saying the most passionate. Oh, you like when you rattle off those te- or schools, it's like, oh, the fan bases that care the most and love their school and love their football program um, and hold it to high esteem. Okay, why do those teams still get uh, nice recruiting classes? Uh, the problem's not the fans. The problem is the losing. You think if we were 6-0 and or 5-1 and like we realistically should be right now? I mean, that's... Well, why does the fans just, what are we going to do? Then how, how is everybody, how's the administration, how's everybody going to have a feeling that, oh, the fans are unhappy. So if we just sit back and be like, oh boy, this is, this is going great. That's two and two and four. It's, it's just fantastic. Those guys are playing hard. We may have lost to San Jose state, Kentucky and Ole Miss in a, um, in half our ball games, but man, this is the greatest team. And we love coach Morris. He's a genius. Are we supposed to be like that? Exactly. Who wants fake? Well, I don't want a damn recruit that thinks that thinks we're, terrible fans and decommits on that are you serious do you not know like i mean come on you got to be kidding me on that do you not want passionate fans where are you gonna go i mean somewhere that doesn't care you want to go to like i mean he's not going to any texas schools exactly then another hog call fan they pop in here and say that uh as with all shows of this sort there are opinions and so on and so forth but they were impressed with our facts and and uh, various other things and how we, you know, break down the teams, the players, and so on and so forth when it comes to Razorback sports and, and talking about all the sports and stuff like that. So so hats off there, uh, I guess, to us for, for that. But at the same time, JM, I mean, if you're not listening, you know, that's fine. I, I don't care at this point, honestly. Uh, but I just feel like you're being disingenuous. I feel like this portion of the fan base is being disingenuous. I feel like they're being more apologist. And uh, while I enjoy talking to them, I enjoy hearing their opinions. I think that their opinions are, are important. And uh, we need to hear those and we need to talk about those on the podcast. I just couldn't disagree with you more about those opinions. Hey, thanks for listening, JM. But guess what? Our listenership is going up by the week, so we don't need you if you don't want to listen. I know you have been, so keep on if you are. Uh, it's, it's kind of funny that you said that, but uh, thanks for listening, I guess. But you don't have to. It's all right. <laughs> we don't need you. <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, I go right. listen to a Morris Apologist podcast because I'm not sure how many there are right now. Yeah, I don't know, man. I I'd listen to most of the podcast, and I haven't heard one yet. So <laughs> good luck with that. Yep. Good luck. <laughs> and shout out to the Angry Razorback podcast. Boy, they do a good job of giving you the statistics, a quick, short, quick run of the statistics and throwing those out there for you. I really like that, dude. I almost uh, tweeted at him and said, uh, I'm going to steal your uh, your name, Angry Razorback podcast, this week. <laughs> <laughs> After that game. Goodness. So, 
yeah, so I mean, I guess that's about it right this week for uh, for for span, fan write in and and uh, you know uh, we don't have any voicemails or anything. So I guess we'll take a quick break and then we will uh, we'll be right back into this thing after uh, after a message from our sponsor. Back to the Hog Call Podcast. All right, Tim, I made something up for us. I want everybody to have a listen to it. Uh, so here you go. Enjoy. Well, there's a lot of excitement all across our state. and um, Man, I just, you, you can feel it in the air. As I shared yesterday, uh, I'm excited about this about this season. Football team that uh, these guys fought. They, they, they fought their tail off. Uh, they didn't back down. There was no challenge too big for them. I'm extremely proud of the way that these guys fought, and especially of the adversity that this team has had to battle over the last two weeks. Uh, they keep caring. They keep giving what we ask them to give, and that's a, that's a sign of a football team that's going to continue to get better. If you're just an average fan and you wanted to come see a really good football game, you saw a really good football game today. This program's headed in the right direction. Was Saturday a step backwards? Absolutely. But we're headed in the right direction. Uh, you know, just extremely frustrating. Um, did not feel like we executed in the uh, in, in the key moments when we needed to the most um, to get a stop or to get the ball get the, get the ball and uh, and come away with points in the red zone uh, early in the game uh, was disappointing. Uh, you know, when, when you when, where we are in our program right now, we get the ball in the red zone, we got to score touchdowns, and um, we were unable to do that, um, especially early on when we had the momentum. Uh, came away with points, which was good, but 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 again, you know, as I've mentioned before, we got to score those touchdowns. We got to score touchdowns. Credit Coach Stoops and um, obviously Lynn Bowden, um, just a um, uh, unbelievable football player. We knew that coming in. We knew that he was going to be the quarterback. We felt that, that he was, you know they were going to put the ball in his hands most of the night, and they did that. Uh, Fifty-four runs. Um, defense was on the field entirely too much in the third quarter. Uh, we went two, three, and outs. Uh, again, uh, six plays, six yards in the third quarter. Um, had the ball for three minutes and 45 seconds. It's, it's um, you know, it's hard to hold on to any momentum uh, when you do that. And that was very disappointing. Um, they had the ball for 11 minutes and 15 seconds uh, and obviously flipped the momentum in the third quarter. I was proud of the way our guys fought back, gave us a chance. Um, but, um, you know, we, we, couldn't, we couldn't sustain the momentum early in the game. To me, uh, losing football games is being terminated with cause. Extremely disappointed. <laughs> We've got a group of young men and coaches that are invested deeply in this program, and uh, there's a lot of disappointment. Um, a lot of disappointment. I want to thank our fans for coming out. Thought we had traveled well, had a great crowd. Uh, I'm going to credit Ole Miss. I knew they would be better. I knew that uh, they would respond, and they did. It's hard to win in the SEC on the road. It's really hard when you make as many mistakes as we made tonight. To me, uh, losing football games is being terminated with cause. Well, first of all, I want to credit Vandy. And uh, Coach Mason uh, had their guys ready to go. They wanted to run the football. They executed very well. Um, they had an experienced quarterback. Obviously, getting Keyshawn Vaughn back is a, uh, just as a dynamic back as we've, we've seen. And he's in our league. Uh, we didn't play well enough. 
Bottom line, we didn't play well enough. Didn't, didn't, couldn't stop the run. Um, didn't play well enough defensively to, to win. Uh, offensively, two turnovers, 14 points. Um, we got to protect the football. That's been the message all year long. Um, and when we need to have drives and put drives together, we couldn't get it done. And very disappointing. Uh, but we didn't play well enough to win. You get what you deserve, and we didn't deserve to win. And uh, it's on me. And- to me, uh, losing football games is being terminated with cause. Hmm. We're definitely disappointing today. Um, oh, man, not again. Without a doubt. I thought uh, give up 21 points in the second quarter. Um, you know, we had two turnovers, and uh, you know, uh, on a, one on a sprint out, uh, strip sack on a sprint out. Uh, they gave up a short field. Had other short fields that uh, we put our defense in some very tough situations. Um, they scored 21 points off of it. We couldn't flip the field. Um, and we just couldn't, uh, c- couldn't, couldn't climb the hill. And uh, you know, we played a lot of freshmen today, which will be, which will benefit this program moving forward. Uh, moving forward, um, definitely good for the development, especially some extended playing time. But uh, you know, overall, obviously very disappointed and. In, in, uh, to me, uh, losing football games is being terminated with cause. Disappointing. We took a punch today, and, and especially in the first half, and and um, you know to get our to get our mindset to change and uh, to rally back when things go bad. We, we've we've got to continue to work on that, and um, that's something that's uh, um, disappointing. And, and I think they scored 17 points and 16 plays in the first half, and and um, and just uh, and stunned right there. Um, we never really could rally back. We got it within ten, and um, and uh, but uh, but but disappointed. Uh, there's, there's a locker room full of young men that are disappointed, and coaches that are disappointed. Um, as I said before, and I'll say again, they do care. Um, they continue to fight, and they will fight. And uh, we got to go back and look in the mirror. And uh, it starts with us, and it starts with me, and it starts with every coach. And every player, and um, we start right off looking back in the mirror. So to me, uh, losing football games is being terminated with cause. Uh, I thank our fans uh, for making the trip. They were here, they were loud, uh, and it was a great environment. But uh, credit to Texas A&M, they found a way to win it. Um, but I'm extremely proud of our football team. But we got to find ways to win games like this. And that's on me, and we will. They fought. Um, they fought bell to bell. We knew it was going to be a four-quarter game, and uh, and that's what we asked for. But losing is not acceptable. There are no moral losses. Uh, we got to find a way. Got to find a way to win when you get this get down to the end like this, and, and we will. To me, uh, losing football games is being terminated with cause. <clears throat> it's completely unacceptable. Um, unacceptable in all areas. Unacceptable coaching. Unacceptable playing. Unacceptable effort. It's not what we're about. It's not what this program is going to be built on. It's absolutely not accepted. We're going to find out. We're in a big gut check time right now. To me, uh, losing football games is being terminated with cause. My message to them is hang in there with us. I I promise our Razorback fans that we have the right person leading our football program. 
All right. First of all, I want to credit San Jose State and Coach Brennan. Uh, his guys outplayed us. They outcoached us. And it was very, uh, very disappointing in the effort that we got tonight. Uh, for three quarters, you were, they were the SEC football team. They took it to us. And from the very first play, we had, they had us on our heels. Very disappointing. Extremely disappointing. Uh, we had great fight to come back and tie the game, and then we let them go down the field and score on us. Um, again, we couldn't, we couldn't hold any momentum. But credit those guys. Um, everyone's going to be held accountable from me down. To me, uh, losing football games is being terminated with cause. So there you go, Tim. Did you hear any kind of a uh, pattern? Yeah, I might have a little bit. <laughs> uh, what you do? Uh, great job on cutting that up, Chad. Well, well I appreciate it. I could have went. I mean, I went. I went. I went back to last year, but I didn't put nearly all the games in there that he has came out and said he's horribly disappointed and we did bad and we should have won and blah blah blah. Uh, it was just like too many, too much. It was. It, at one point, I was like, man, this is going to be 10, 15, 20 minutes. Yeah. So I had yeah. to make a decision, and I cut it down. And sitting here, I'm like, man, that's probably too long, too. Yeah, it's like, how disappointed are you, really? I mean, how many times can you be that way and not a damn about it? How about how about uh, saying, for example, the Ole Miss game? He said, "We knew we knew Ole Miss would be better." I was like, "Really? You knew? Oh, who has ever? There's not been an Arkansas football coach in the history of this program <laughs> utter the words, we knew Ole Miss would be better.' We knew Ole Miss is going to have the most powerful offense in the SEC. I think he said that at one point. What road road games in the SEC? Even docks. So whatever. What kind of joker? Look, and I love the." Um, we're gonna hold your check's feet to the fire after this year. If this continues and we're two and two, three and nine, possibly at best, if there's a win, even that on the board, we're holding his feet to the fire, saying to me, losing football games is being terminated with cause. Oh yeah, he said it. At your words, you said it. You know, so if you're gonna stick with this is the guy, he's our coach, he's the one that we're going with. I think we deserve. As fans, as alumni from the University of Arkansas, as former employees for the football program, I think we deserve to know why you are believing he's the guy. I think you need to come out and have a press conference and then lay it out, explain it, show us where the improvement was, get some charts throw some charts up, show us anything that's improved, what's gotten better, because I don't see it. And I don't understand how he's the guy. And if you're going to wait until the end of the year and fire him, if that's your strategy, okay, fine. But stop saying, oh, you know, he's good, he's comfortable, blah, 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 because that's ungenuine too. That's a lie if you're waiting until the end of the year to let him go. That's not fair to him. You know, be honest. You know, I know you say he needs you know, to know his. Go ahead. Yeah, no, I was about to say he needs. To, I agree with the chat. He know his form. He needs to know he can't just be content. Just like you know, whatever. I mean, I'm, I'm trying. 
you know, they've, they've promised me I can keep going two and 10 and not be an SEC team. And I'll still, you know, cash my check and be all right. Yeah. This was ridiculous. Ridiculous. And, you know, people would say, well, your check didn't make the hiring or maybe the protections that he was talking about in that press conference. This is one of the things he said after uh, losing football games is, is uh, cause for fire. One of the things he was saying was uh, that uh, the protections that's put in place for these coaches are ridiculous. Well, maybe you were saying that because you saw this contract and you thought it was a ridiculous contract, but you are the AD now. And you got to make some tough choices. And obviously, we're not winning games. So I think you got to fire this coach. I, at this point, right now, I say we let him go. Let him go. And let's go ahead and let the Chief ride it out. The year's not over, right? We still have a chance. I understand saying, hey, let's wait until Kentucky. And then after we get through Kentucky, let's see. You know, if the coach can win that one, let's keep him around. Because you still got a chance to go to a ball game. I understand that. But at this point, we don't have a chance to do anything. So let him go. Let him go and put the, the, the defensive coordinator in as interim head coach. That way, it's going to do two things for you. One, it's going to set a precedent that th- that you're not going to take this as the AD and the University of Arkansas isn't going to take this kind of losing that it's not acceptable and that's a good thing that's not a bad thing like you said in one of our texts tim if there's any coach that says oh well you know i don't want to come there because the last coach you know lost all but four games and you let him go and i don't feel comfortable if that's the best you think you can do too well i don't want you here as a coach yeah i don't want that coach either Mm -mm. i agree with you 100 percent on that tim so it sets a precedent that's the first thing that it does the second thing that it does is it gives us a chance it gives us a chance to see like can another coach make something happen can some better play calling make something happen can we win a couple games we're not supposed to win there's still a possibility we could win Mississippi State I don't think Coach Morris can do it but I think an interim coach might be able to win the Mississippi State game. You know, might be able to win the Western Kentucky game. I don't think Coach Morris at this point can win the Western Kentucky game. be honest with you. I think we're going to be looking at a loss. I think the players are going to be hanging their heads by then. They're already, they're already quitting on us. Um, we're already having a hard time with them. So I think that's going to be even worse after we take these two huge, probably, ginormous losses from the next two teams we're going to play and uh, and then you're going to come in and and you know you got you got uh the quarterback over there at western kentucky who is uh only played three games but looks like he's probably going to be the starter when it comes around when it rolls around our time because he's doing a good job and he's winning games so he's going to come in with a vengeance you know yeah, I don't Ty know Story. If we can win that. Ty Story's gonna, you know, he's gonna come, come in and throw three hundred yards. There's no way he's called man. He's gonna come in, uh, no matter what. But now he's been winning. He's been taking their starting quarterback for some reason. That quarterback didn't start a story to begin with. Story's taken over, and they've been on a roll. They've won about four in a row. Beat some solid team. I mean, I think they beat Army. You know, Army goes to Michigan, uh, barely loses that by like one or two points. 
Um, another solid win here recently as far as, you know, for Western Kentucky. You know, last year, and he admitted it, uh, you know, discussion all through those games or after the games and through the offseason was, you know, did they quit at the end of the players quitting? Coach Morris admitted the team quit last year. Mm-hmm. So uh, we can't act like that's not another possibility this year. I mean, you already got a couple – one leaving in the middle of the season without without sticking it out. Um, Clure, that's just um, um, Moore said he's you know going to find a job and uh, support his family. And then you got Devin Bush transfer in the transfer portal. Uh, he's a guy that uh, came in in January. He's been with this team since January. Kind of pick six in the red white game. He was one of the the highly eluded you know whatever twenty fourth ranked class in the nation, tenth in the SEC. He was one of your highest recruits last year and he's already jumped ship off the ship you know what i mean mm-hmm. so um i'm not sure where this is going to go but um i don't and you know he's i mean four and 13 in his two years i mean can we get worse than that there's no way we can be worse no. than that with any no. comparable or comparable coach anybody with a damn pulse as a football coach and like you said you know alluding to you don't want anybody that's like wow they fired oh man they you know they 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 really expected more than uh, four wins over uh, two of those Division One uh, mm-hmm. FC or Division One AA FCS schools and your biggest win Colorado State. Oh no, yeah, that is not the coach we want. There are plenty of coaches out there that would take this with an aggressive attitude and say, mm-hmm. "Oh, I can turn this thing around and I can definitely do that." Oh yeah, it's the University of Arkansas, and anybody that thinks that we're some sort of second tier, second rate. Uh, program, you don't know the history of the program. Period. You need to go back and study. You're not. You you're probably a recent fan. Uh, but then it also does one other thing for you if you let Morris go right now. All right. It lets the other coaches know you're going to be hiring. It opens you up to be able to start the recruiting process of getting mm-hmm. another coach in. It allows you to start talking to these other coaches and saying, hey, you know, we're interested in you. Would you be interested in us? And start those soft sales. That way, at the end of the year, you can get somebody and you're not competing with every other school who's trying to grab the best coach they can get. Yeah, also, when you you make a good point, you know, we're halfway through the season. We know, as fans and the administration should, if if they've got any half of a brain, know how this is turning out with Morse. Well, there's other uh, uh, schools, too, not even necessarily with, uh, you know, we don't want to coach this really in a losing season, but as far as, you know, things kind of running its course or whatever, uh, kind of a young coach, like, man, you know, got some momentum, he's done pretty well. Get your fillers out there with the agents. Go ahead and get started on it. Um, it's only it's October. We have plenty of time to get back on finish strong with the recruiting class. You know, a month and a half before the early signing period. You know, four months or three and a half months till the uh, February signing period. So now's the time. Wait until the the day after the day or the Saturday after Thanksgiving. It's too late. If even that, I'm worried that we're going to go two and ten, Chad, and they're going to keep them. That's my worry. That's crazy. I, I mean, it might happen. But uh, I don't, I don't understand it. And I'll say it again: Where are the fly, where are the planes flying the banners? Where's the outrage? Maybe we'll see it whenever, whenever uh, you know Auburn comes, or maybe we'll sp- see it at, at the at the Mississippi State game. But where's the freaking outrage? That's what I want to know because I don't see any outrage whatsoever, like we saw towards Houston Nutt, a coach that was winning, a winning coach. A coach that was that was 
competing in SEC championships. I, I don't see half the outrage for this coach as I as I do a, a coach that was a good coach. And if you're going to have that type of outrage with Nutt, then you need to bring it. You need to bring it for this coach too. I, I, that that makes me livid when I think about that. Yeah, I mean, for a guy and they were doing that when he would, when he was winning ten games that year in '06, and still going to a Cotton Bowl the uh, um, at the next year, putting things in his yard, flying banners. Where's that now? Threatening his family and stuff. I'm not saying yeah. we should do that. I don't think you should go out and threaten somebody's family and no. all that. That's a that's a really horrible thing to do, and that's a very low class person that's threatening a football <laughs> sure. coach's family. But at the same time. Where is that outrage at? Where is that passion? I've at least been glad to see nothing like that, nothing that that high of uh, uh, anger towards Morris or this season or this program. But I've at least been happy enough that this week people are starting to kind of realize where we've been, where we've been telling y'all for for a year, you know, that this ain't going to work out. Finally, I've been hearing more and more and more of it. And well, look, we tried to listen to the naysayers that told us, hey, you know, you're wrong. We're, you know, he's a good coach. He's going to have a good year. This is going to be his year. It's going to be better this year. Just give him a year. You know, oh, that was just one bad year. You know, it was year zero. You got to give him this year's his first year, blah, 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 new year, all that stuff. We tried to listen to you guys, and we looked at the schedule from a perspective of this is year one. This is your first team, and, and who can we beat and we haven't beat any of the teams that we should have beat. Except, I mean, I guess we beat two. But th- those two teams are just, golly, golly, man. We, I mean, we, we somebody, lost to San Jose State. Yeah. Do you guys How not understand this? He should have been fired after that game. Yeah. And can, can we think of the damn students, man? How bad, how sad is it for a student to – uh, attend the university in the last couple of years. Let's say somebody's a senior this year. They attended it being was last two years, saw that mess, and have attended these first two years. You want to keep having students come? One of the big draws I know for me, I was always going to be a Razorback. I know you were too. One yeah. of the biggest draws of what made me fell in love with, you know, it's not like I fell in love with a certain department or um, uh, a building, you know, on campus or the library or anything like that. You know, my first love as far as was football. Can you imagine? I mean, you better do something, or you're gonna start seeing a drop off, and even that, or or passion for the university. It it does go hand in hand. This is a big deal. Can you think of Can you think of somebody else? I mean, fans. I mean, think of the students too. Think of those poor kids. You know that, oh, didn't, yeah. that didn't get to see any SEC wins. They haven't had an SEC win yet the last couple of years. Think of them. They're spending a whole whole lot of money to come here. Whole lot of money. Because I was lucky. I'll say I was lucky. You know, you were two at the same time. We got to see uh, plenty of bowl games. I mean, just bowl games every year. Uh, a couple double, or mm-hmm. I think uh, it's all like three double-digit win teams. I was, you know, lucky. And people were crying over that Houston nut year. You know, when I was freshman 2006. And people were whining and bitching about that year. Man, when we've, he, he, uh, uh, Quadrupled yeah, that was more year. of those wins just for the last one two. team in the state or the number one team in the nation. Yeah. What a bad year that was. What did we wind up with? Three losses that year? That was horrible. Yeah, I went to a cotton bowl. I mean, the only reason we should have went or won that cotton bowl. You or know, was they it four? Three or four. Out. 
that's, anyway. I mean, that seems we've already got four losses right now, right now halfway through the season. It's just ridiculous. This is crazy. This and is how crazy. can anybody say like argue like you don't want to do like you're saying again? Going back to this, like you don't want to do this like after less than two years. How can it get any worse? Just just admit you're wrong and cut it. And look, if you're the AD, you're check. He's not if if he's really truly not your guy, then you have no attachment to him. But you know to try to support him. But your attack should be doing your job, and your job should be to fire them. And let's, uh, you know, if you base it, if you base this in fact too, and you go back and you look at Jack Crow, Jack Crow, uh, I forget the article you sent the other day that I, I read, Tim. That article looks at uh, Morris and Jack Crow, and they're almost identical as to who they are, the type of coach they are, and how good they were. Yeah, and, and you know, Crow's kind of. You know, Morris is pretty much hired because he stood next to uh, Dabo, and uh, Crow is pretty much hired because he stood next to uh, uh, Ford, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, yeah, I mean, real similar. Hell, even his kind of stats comparing him with Bielema were not favored towards. Uh, um, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. since they were even favoring Bielema. And that's ridiculous. That was even before he won. First SEC game to even live up to that, to be them the second year, Morse is going to have to win two SEC games. And here's the question that's been on my mind that I talked to you about earlier this week, Tim was, is and then maybe you've had time to give this some more thought, but the SMU they're undefeated right now. They get a new coach in there, takes a look at the quarterbacks, says, "Hey, these quarterbacks aren't very good." Now you look and say, hell, look, you know, the quarterbacks wasn't coached up over at SMU. That's probably the problem. That's probably why they're, you know, bringing them new quarterbacks there. They get the the Texas kid. They bring him in. Now, you know, they're coaching that quarterback up. They got the talent that was brought in, great recruiting, all that kind of good stuff. And uh, boom, they're undefeated. They're winning games. They're basically running an offense that's very similar, but – it's a lot easier offense. It's not nearly as complicated as far as the schematics of the offense go. And the play calling is probably a whole lot better. I haven't like watched a lot of SMU games, but I bet if we did, the play calling is probably a whole lot better. It's probably, I mean, that is one of the number one things that's going to either win a game or lose a game for you in football is play calling and uh, in your scheme. So what do you think? Do you think it's a coincidence that Morris leaves SMU and now they're an undefeated team this this part of the year. No, he's uh, Sonny Dykes down there. It's one game away from Ashton Morris's best record there. Um, do, you, do you think that it's uh, it is a coincidence that Lord that Morris leaves uh, Morris leaves Clemson and the next year they have the best few years they've ever had. <laughs> That's true. It's like, and and that too. I remember thinking that like they got time. better when he was there, but when he left, they took a big step forward. Yeah, that's what I remember thinking when he was hired. Is like, oh man, I'm kind of thinking wouldn't didn't match the dates up. It's like, oh man, he's the reason you know he's helped a big way and won a championship. Like, no, they did that after him. It's yeah. not like he was the coordinator and court, you know, uh, called plays en route to a championship. Maybe his play calling the year before uh, kept him out of it. So that that puts mm-hmm. Morris as like as like uh, as like a Jack Crow type guy, right? He comes in, he brings a lot of recruits in, 
has a really complicated scheme, can't win the games, gets fired. The next coach comes in and does a really good job with a really good, talented team that was brought in by the previous coach. Could you see that being the the, the next thing that could happen at the University of Arkansas? It's either oh, that it's or like the apologists are saying that, you know, these guys are just horrible freshmen. And because that's what you're saying whenever you say, oh, well, they're just freshmen. It's a very young team and they can't win. You're saying they're horrible freshmen who don't have the talent to compete against other freshmen like uh, Alabama and LSU and all these other teams that are stacked with freshmen. So the question is, will another could another coach come in and be that coach to take us to the next level after the in-between coach came in and did what he needed to do to get us to the point where we needed to be as far as talent goes. Yeah, I don't see I don't see why not there's enough talent. Again, going back to this, I'm not delusional. I'm not thinking we're gonna win a national championship this year. Hell I'd like I yes, I'd like to win one before I before I die. I'd like to win one in the next 20 years, 30 years, or whatever at some point, but I'm, I just want to be competitive and, and not be an embarrassment, not be one of the worst FBS programs, not lose to San Jose State's, North Texas, and Colorado State's. Yes, there's enough talent for a, a good coach, solid coach, to come in here and take this team to a bowl game. You know, I bet there's a, I bet there's a coach out there that could take this team, get them to five wins. This team right now, get them to five wins, running a base. There's, there's talent on the offense. How do you have – and these freshmen – are you kidding me? How's Traylon Burks and uh, and Knox not not good enough? How's put uh, you know giving Burks one? Or he's a wide receiver. He had one carry for uh, eleven or so yards. Like give it to him again. Put the ball in his hands. Find ways to put balls in the hands. It's just give scheme. It to Boyd and the Whaley. Play They're running the ball. Ridiculous. They're doing good. Give it to Boyd and Whaley. Let them keep running the ball. Yeah. Are you telling me Boyd and Whaley are second tier? You know players. They're not. They're not. They are absolute beasts of players. Yeah, and not feeding. I mean, uh, Boyd's all right. So how how big was a uh, he had to get an X-ray, you know? But he came back in there. So how big of an injury was it? Uh, you know, JM going back to that blah blah blah. If he should, well, why did they put him in? If he must have not been hurt that bad to keep him. In? Why is he only getting fifteen carries? And here's That's ridiculous. The thing. Why is Whaley's healthy? Why is he only getting nine carries? Why are the running backs no other running back touched the ball? Or they didn't even give Hammonds. Uh, Hayden's hurt. We'll give Hammonds the ball. Try him. Do something. You know, they go to yep. these things where there's several possessions where they went uh, first down pass, second down pass, third down pass, all incompletions. What the? What is that? This is this is all coaching. This is all coaching. This is not the talent issue. This is coaching. And if you're if if you that dumb and you and um, if this is a new thing to you, um, and it's not, shouldn't be more. Should be a better. He's just not that coach all right just just let him go it's okay he'll be all right he'll land on his feet he'll get a coordinator job or a small school where he belongs or go back to coaching high school football in texas he'll be all right don't feel sorry for the man he'll it's not about go down to louisiana tech pain. and do a real good job just like uh you know just like previous coaches have that he'll get a he'll get a college job somewhere small college and be able to do something with it heck john l even got a good college job you know he'll, yeah, he'll get something go back to Clemson be an offensive analyst or something. I mean, he's going to be a millionaire when he leaves. He's not going to be hurting. <laughs> he's set. I mean, two years of three and a half million dollars, the buyout's going to be huge because even after we didn't learn, or not we, I'm not grouped in that. I would have never done that. I thought the whole thing was not 
giving the next coach a big buyout, especially an inexperienced one. Good uh, so he's going to be paid, you know, probably nine, ten million. No telling what it is after, you know, cutting him after two years. He's going to be, a, I mean, making 16, 15 something million, maybe 20 million or whatever, somewhere close to that in between that. That's quite a bit to live on the rest of your life. You're all right. Nobody should feel sorry for him. He's just not cut out for the job. You know, it's it's whoever, you know. Why did they – also, why did they – if you know, if it wasn't your check that, you know, made the made the decision or whatever, even though he, he was there at the end of it to okay it. Um, so why why are we – who who is in charge to, to, to hire a football coach before you have an AD? It's all a mess and it's stupid. And oh, somebody yeah. needs – no, somebody needs to uh, come out. If this your isn't check, your hire, your check, well, it better be your fire. Yeah, he needs he needs to fire him. He needs to have the balls to come out and say and and do it and fire him. You can't be worried about your job because you know what? If that's the reason, uh, you know they don't let you fire him. You know, make it public, man. You'll land on your feet. You yeah, have a or let them know. I know what? that. You are a basketball guy. You're a check as a basketball guy. That's what he hangs his hat on. That's what he's all about. But you're not in a basketball state. You're not in Kentucky. It's not going to be okay for us to lose every single football game. We're a football state with a good basketball team. That's what we are. It's what we've always been. We like basketball. We watch basketball. We get into basketball. But number one, we're a football state. Yeah, look, I mean, if we were uh, by our most championships, we'd be all be big track fans. But and we love our track team. We're proud of them. We like them. You know, baseball's been good. We like baseball. We're not a baseball school. Yeah, it's our best of the three major sports right now. And we're not a basketball school, even though that's our most recent national mm-hmm. championship in those sports. We're a football school. That's what we care the most about. We love those other sports. They give us something to do and something to love and keep up with in between football seasons. But football is number one here, and it it's going to remain that way. It is. People want to see are tired of losing. I don't. That shouldn't be very hard. And if you're okay with firing Mike Anderson, and you're not okay with firing this coach, I just don't get your 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 ideology. And you got to start thinking like, why, why, you know, is there some profiling going on? What's going on there? Something. Yeah, so, something ain't right if you're getting yeah. rid of Mike Anderson, but you're not getting rid of this guy, right? Because, I mean, obviously the program was going in a good direction with Anderson. Yeah, look, because, I mean, he had, what, eight freshmen last year. They were all coming besides the whole team was coming back besides Gafford. So Young team, you know. young team <laughs> coming back. So he, he was definitely he was impatient for that. So, um, so But you're going to just give this guy all the time in the world. So give him four years. Why? All right, I digress. Yeah, I know. I guess, I guess I could keep on with this all night, but I, I keep just on. This the rest of the football season, Chad, and I'm afraid we're keep doing this, but it is what it is. It is. We love hog football, man. We <laughs> That's where it. we're at. Yeah, and thank you guys for listening to us. We really appreciate it. You know, we're just speaking our mind. We're just saying what we think. You know, and we're just we're just we're just putting it out there for everybody to hear. And, you know, I'm just super, I'm super stoked that so many of you guys tune in every week to hear what we have to say, and, and I really all, appreciate it. All places out of the country, in the country, man. Oh, yeah. Else. Yeah, well, I, I should do a breakdown of all these cats and, and where they're fun, from. It's kind of crazy, and, uh, like, uh, the, the amount of, uh, 
different places that all of these um, all these folks are from. Here, let me go. I'm going to the dashboard now. Uh, so in the United States, I mean, we got, and I'm not going to go down to city or anything. I'm just going to throw it out there. We got, we got uh, our biggest fan base is in Florida. Actually, we got a whole lot of people that listen from Florida, uh, and that's that's really uh, that's really kind of crazy, I think. And <laughs> then uh, so. If you're in Arkansas, share this with your friends. Come on. And then second is Arkansas, of course. Then it's mm-hmm. Texas. And Florida and Arkansas are like neck and neck, too, by the way. It's uh, like uh, a 29 and 30, so uh, as far <laughs> as percentage goes. And then when you got, uh, like I said, you got Texas. Then you got California, Tennessee, Virginia, Illinois, Mississippi, Oklahoma, Georgia, Colorado, Missouri, South Carolina, Pennsylvania, Nevada. Louisiana, Alabama, Rhode Island, Arizona, Indiana, North Carolina, Washington, Kansas, New Jersey, Massachusetts, Oregon, New York, District of Columbia, Michigan, Utah, New Mexico, New Hampshire, Alaska, Kentucky, Iowa, Maryland, Minnesota, Ohio. So I guess we don't have any Hawaii in there, but golly, you know, we just appreciate every single one of you guys listening to us. It's it's amazing. And then you start to look at the the countries. You got Finland, Israel, uh, Canada, Thailand, Italy, Hong Kong, Mexico, and I'm sure a lot of those folks are in the military. They're probably from Arkansas. They're using you know podcasts to get their news about the Razorbacks, and we really appreciate every single one of you guys uh, tuning in and listening. It's just amazing the audience that we have how large it's grown to and how diverse and big it is across the united states of america and the world yeah i'm major impressed you were running that down after the uh kind of the post podcast uh post recording last week tell me you know we've kind of gone over before but it's just really ballooned and expanded and grown so that's really exciting thank you everybody for listening and uh, it's really cool out of out of the country too. Um, uh, you know, that's awesome. That that means a lot to us. It does. It really does. So anyway, I guess we'll get back into it. We did a little state of the podcast there. Um, Kentucky. <laughs> we got to go over here and we got to play these guys, uh, or we played these guys, and it didn't uh, it didn't come out the way we wanted it to, obviously. Uh, it was a 24 to 20 loss. You know, I thought like play calling was horrible. Um, they obviously had a chance to. I said this earlier in the podcast, but we obviously had a chance to run the ball and to get some scores. I think we could have been up by three scores in the first quarter if we would have just ran the ball. But uh, we didn't do that. We uh, decided to start throwing uh, for, I don't even know. I don't even know why. We started throwing the ball all over the place. And uh, if it's because Boyd had a hurt shoulder, well, we should have been giving it to Whaley because he had, yeah, you know, good. He, he was running the ball good too. So to abandon the run was ridiculous. I think we said going into this game, it was going to be dependent on our run game and uh, how well our run game was. So 
I mean, that it was just ridiculous. And then whenever well, they made the adjustments, they they stopped our run game, and and there wasn't much we could do. They made those adjustments towards the middle of the second quarter. Um, goodness, you know, just watching the game, it's like what three plays in where uh, we're doing a flea flicker back to the quarterback and trying to trying to throw it downfield well, for 150 yards. You know, well, listen to this, Chad. In the first quarter alone, uh, Starkle throws 11 pass attempts. We run the ball eight. And that includes the first um, uh, two games or two plays of the game. Or, I mean, sorry, includes that first, uh, yeah, first play of the game. Sorry, with Boyd. And you listen to their press conferences after the game, and they keep saying, oh, we got to be able to throw the ball. We got to be able to, you know, make the passes. If if, if the quarterbacks don't see it, they got to be able to throw it away. No, we don't. We need to run the ball. We need to we we when we run the ball we gain yardage and we you're not running it. I don't care if you're known for passing the ball. I don't care if if that's what your teams are normally built on. To win this year right now, you need to run the ball and by not doing it, you're 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 just being um you know, incompetent. Stubborn. Incompetent. <laughs> yeah, incompetent. stubborn. Yeah. Stubborn and incompetent. I've seen it. Oh. I was telling you this earlier this week, but I've seen it before in high school ball where these coaches think like, this is what I do. I pass the ball. This is my identity. This is the identity of my football team, my offense. And you have a really good running back. You maybe have an okay line, but good enough to open some holes and get the running back through the line. And they refuse to run the ball and they run their team right into the ground because they don't want to run the ball because that's not who they are. It's not their identity. It's not showing their, uh, you know, wit and, and football smarts. Well, sometimes football isn't about wit and smarts. Sometimes it's about who's going to buckle your chin strap up just a little bit tighter, bite down on your mouthpiece just a little bit harder, and play more aggressive than the other team. A lot of times that'll get you more wins than a seven-on-seven passing tournament. Yeah, exactly. How many years has football been around, and how many uh, passing-dominated offenses um, been over? Just the last, what, ten years? Really, as far as, like, even beyond balanced, you know, and really, um, I mean, for the most part, it's been, you know, it's it's a tough game. It's a physical game. Um, why are you not running the ball? And, you know, the thing is, one day we can have that system of passing the ball. When we get a good quarterback or when you learn to coach quarterbacks. For right now, feed the studs. I don't get this. Listen to this, uh, 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 the second drive of the game. So we have a 7 nothing lead. You know, we, we score. Boyd hits that 74-yarder. We stop mm-hmm. them. We stop Kentucky. We get the ball at the, our six-yard line. Boyd, eight yards. Boyd, eight yards. Then we pass. Whaley, seven yards. Then we pass for four yards. Then we pass again incomplete. Boyd, five five yards. Then they try to do third and five. Um, they pass it again. Um, then we get a first down. Then we have three straight passes. So we get first and ten inside UK territory. We've been running and three straight passes. Three straight passes when we got the lead, seven nothing in Kentucky territory. We got them against the ropes. We just drove from our six-yard line to their territory. Three Pretty much running the passes. ball. Pretty much running it. 
And that was before Boyd goes out, too, because Boyd, the next possession, starts off with two straight runs. So they know they need to run it on at the beginning. That's easy to if, – if you're a defense, you see that, oh, well, they'll run it twice in a row to start every drive off. Then they'll pass it most likely. Mm-hmm. What – I mean, how much of an idiot can you be? Run that ball. You're down there in the red zone. You're having trouble in the red zone already, and you're gaining yards running the ball. Why are you throwing it? Just because you're being hard-headed. That's the only reason you're throwing it. Just because you feel like that's what you need to do. And you don't have to do that. You don't have to throw the ball. You can run it. You remember he was talking about, oh, well, you know, if you look at, you know, this run that we made, this is way more about our quarterback and our ability to throw than it is about our offensive line opening the holes. That right there is the type of mentality that's running this team into the ground that this coach has. The offensive line opened some holes and we were able to run the ball, and that's a good thing. And we should be praising them for that. Yeah, the second play of the game, they sure opened up a damn big hole. <laughs> Enough for Poyd to get to the uh, hit the hole, hit the three or five hole, and go outside um, outside and outrun somebody down the sideline. Apparently, mm-hmm. I mean, that was a huge hole. I watched it, you know, rewatched it like, damn, that was huge. I mean, anybody could get through that. I mean, I know not everybody can outrun the uh, linebacker and secondary, but. I mean, mm-hmm. anybody, you and me right now at our, at our ages, <laughs> Stamina could get at least the first down off that. It's a huge hole. I thought they were I, I thought they have were another ACL well. surgery, but I can get that. <laughs> That's what I'm saying to anybody. You know what I mean? <laughs> uh, but they, they've, they've been protecting the quarterback a little better. They've been opening up holes. you got to trust them. And, you know, they're getting better settling in as a unit. Um Trust them to run the ball. I don't know. I don't. I mean, understand. you're in the SEC now. Run first, pass second. Open up your passing game with your running game. I, pull I thought, your pull your linebackers in. Pull your corners down. Throw over the top. That's SEC football. It's not about I, throwing all over and then opening the run game with your throwing with game. Pass. I thought he learned and went to went to like a mini like a Gus Malzahn school. I thought he went down there and studied under him, you know, studied what he did. That's exactly what he did. he's about to get it again. Mm-hmm. He's about to get a, a dose of it this weekend. Run to open up the pass. He's gonna he'll run it if he don't have to pass. He won't. But guess yeah. what? He'll he'll pass him when he's opened up. But he'll he's run first. And he'll and run that he fast offense up. too. Yeah. So good. Yeah. So a lot of people think, though, well, Malzahn's a big passing guy. That's a lot of the misconceptions I used to hear a lot from, from high school coaches. Like, oh, you know, he passes the ball too much. I'm like, do you watch his games? Have you seen his play calling? Because <laughs> that's not his style. Yeah, Cause, like cause he, that hurry well, he's up good. gets lumped in with the passing game a lot of times. Oh, yeah, man. I mean, you just wear down that defense so well when you're able to run in the ball. I mean that wears wears the defense down a lot, mm-hmm. a lot, a lot faster than uh, going straight pass all the time or trying to you know after momentum and three straight passes without no huddle and just letting them rest and catch up and all drop back a little bit incomplete just able to catch the breath. No wonder they were a lot more um, uh, their defense was more well rested than ours at the end. But Malzahn, he also adapts, you know, to, to to what he's had. If he has a quarterback, like when he was offensive coordinator, when he had Cam Newton, who could pass over the field, he did pass some. I mean, they still ran quite a bit, but you know what I mean. Like, oh yeah. But when we don't have a quarterback that can throw it all over the field successfully in Starkle and Hicks, 
Um, that you need to run the ball. He, I mean, Boyd leads the SEC. He, he's got less than 20 carries the last two games against SEC teams, and he's still number one in the SEC in yards. That's because he's damn good, and the offensive line's been opening up holes. Feed him. That's right. And then we're doing stupid stuff like using timeouts at ridiculous times. We are uh, still not able to line up correctly halfway through the second year of your team. You can't line up correctly. Um, that's an issue, and that's causing you to burn timeouts. You get to the end of the game. You get to the end of the game where you can kick a field goal, try an onside. If you don't get the ball back, try your timeouts. At least have two of them. All right. If you want to burn one, fine. At least have two. Try to use those timeouts to get the ball back with your defense by getting a three and out, driving down the field, and kicking the ball for a field goal again and winning the game. But you put yourself in a situation where you couldn't even do that because of horrible clock management. Yeah, I mean, uh, and another thing, that right before the half, third and two minute, when we were running the ball so well, could have had... Limper has a he can kick a fifty yard and you don't even try two timeouts left mm-hmm. and you don't even try and he said he was aggressive that was another turnoff again man it's like dude your back needs to be against the wall more we have penalties to kill drives penalties of such fourth quarters have been awful we take the lead you know we have the lead and uh, you know same thing uh, you know A and M Kentucky and then just blow it in the fourth quarter. I mean, oh, yeah, definitely not aggressive. Worse. Doing that coaching not to lose crap at the end of the at the end of the uh, uh, first uh, half there, uh, going out and just like not doing anything. What is that? What was that about? What fifty seconds left on the clock? Not doing anything. That's not aggressive. Aggressive is trying to make something happen, trying to get another score there, realizing that you're struggling, your team's struggling, and you don't look good. I don't know if you didn't know this, but if you want, you can call me on my cell phone. I'll give you my number and let you know. You know, at halftime or during games, hey, your team's struggling. They look horrible right now. Yeah, and you our last offense. You got to go for it, even if you're not struggling. If this is such a young team and you're trying to help this team grow and become better, then practice that situational play. Yeah, everybody could see that. Man, I don't understand too. It's like they, you know, get the ball. You know, they pass so great, six yards, run boy for two yards, and just I mean, you got third and two at the thirty yard line. I mean, just a couple first downs, and we can try field goal, or you can get more with that. I mean. Get boy, you know they they might they're probably playing some kind of they see your uh, what you're doing they're gonna play a little prevent hell get Boyd out in the open field get Burks somebody on the open field and get in field goal position how hard is that with two timeouts you should be capable of doing that and how about the the our last possession Chad where we get the ball we're down twenty four twenty we get the ball six minutes forty nine seconds run Boyd three out of the first four possessions guess what he doesn't touch the ball the rest of the drive. We end that drive one, two, three, four, five straight in or five straight passing, five yeah five straight incompletions, man. Mm-hmm. Or uh, well, there was a sack too that, uh, but just like I mean, how does that how does that work? I how can you just be such? I mean, with plenty of time left, we're down four. Just score the ball, and even then, not even including hey, kick the field goal. Two and a half minute, three minutes left. Two and a half minutes left. Um, Kick the field goal, put it to one if you onside it. 
Um, and in college, uh, uh, you know, not as much. Like the time doesn't go as quickly as the NFL. Time running off at the end of the game with two and a half minutes left. Hell, even if you don't have the, your timeouts, well, which we did have one. No, we had how many? We had two timeouts on that last drive. We caught them. Why couldn't I mean? Shit, even if you have to let them score with a little bit left, you could just open it up, let them score. You down eight, you know, because you put it to put it to one after a field goal. Uh, so many things added up. Oh yeah. Oh, how about this drive? Nick Starkle pass incomplete. C.J. Grady. Nick Starkle pass incomplete. Trey Knox. Nick Starkle pass incomplete. Mike Woods. All right. Then you get your. Then you get a, a penalty. You're pushed back. Blah blah blah. Punt the ball. All that kind of good stuff, right? And then you come back out for your next drive. What would you think you would do? Do you think you would start passing the ball? You run Rakeem Boyd, he gets two yards, then you pass, then you pass, then you pass. It's like, what the heck is going on here? Why are you passing the ball so I don't much? care. You know, they had holding on that play against, on that Rakeem Boyd run. It's still first and 20. Still run the ball. What are you doing? Run it, to, run it at least twice. Shall run it three times. I mean, good Lord. Exactly. Uh, I don't, yeah, I'm just coming out and just... And that's you know that, that this is the kind of stuff that just that just kills you you know. Yeah, that was that. They waited till they did that that second possession of the game. Gave Starkle two possessions in the second half, and they called three straight pass plays on his last possession. I mean, well, geez, at least help him out. What were you doing? Trying to throw him under the bus? And you know he was off. You trying to throw him under the bus? Not even. Uh, not running the ball. Just well, we're going to show him, so we'll make sure that's. Everybody knows it's a good decision to bring Hicks off the off the bench, and hell, then they whip it around, try to whip it around with him too. But that was what an awful third quarter that was. Golly, it really was. And then the fourth quarter wasn't much better. It really <laughs> wasn't. You know, you throw in the you, you throw in Hicks, you run him out there. You, he's looking a little better, throwing the ball around this, that, and other. But it's just. You shouldn't well, be dependent on your. I don't know. In my opinion, you shouldn't be that dependent on your quarterback. In my opinion, you should be able to run the ball enough to take the pressure off the quarterback. You know, Nick Starkle shouldn't feel like he's out there, you know, throwing for his job every single game. And even that possession that you just mentioned, Chad, that quarter. I mean, yeah. they started off Burks, you know, give Burks the ball, run him around the end for 11 yards. And then they go back to throwing <laughs> it two straight times. Like, then you, know, you got you get using Burks, and he gets a first down run. Then go to Boyd right after there. Boyd was sure was in most of the game. I'm not sure how long he was really out with that injury. He should have been um, – yeah, he wasn't out very long. Mm. That whole – that uh, he was out for, what, one possession. He was out for one possession. What are, how is people arguing that he should have had more carries? What right. the so I guess we should run through this. You got you got <laughs> Rakeem Boyd with 137 yards, 15 carries. <laughs> you know, it's just yeah, you double those carries, but maybe he's hurt. All right. So then you got Davon Whaley, uh, nine carries for 44 yards, still. He, he's running the ball. He's getting five yards per carry with those numbers. 
let's go ahead and at least give him 15 also. Right? Let's at least mm-hmm. get 30 carries there. Uh, then you got Traylon Burks with a carry for 11 yards. Uh, you got Ben Hicks, four carries for 15 yards. Nick Starkle, one carry for zero yards. So we have, you know, 207 total rushing yards. Uh, 30, 30 carries total. Uh, I don't know. I just want to see that increased. You know, I want to see 30, 30 carries at least from the running backs. At least. Yeah, and you got 24 from the running backs against Kentucky. When they could not, when Boyd averages nine a carry, Whaley averaged 4.7, pretty much five yards a carry, half of a first down, and they get 20 between the two running backs. And your passing How, game isn't good, so be, just run the ball. Just run it. Goodness gracious. And if you're not going to run it, make sure you get the quarterback that's playing better because you can't never seem to pick that person out ever. Well, at least, and if you see it, hey, guess what, Morris? If you see he doesn't and you know you're going to take him at one point and be bad and he just does not have it, guess what? And you got Hicks coming. And, too, the thing with Hicks, it's not like, okay, it was the off his Ole Miss effort state effort it was the hicks coming off the a&m effort where he uh let us you know to almost winning that game exactly and credit also credit if you're seeing it right if you're seeing bad mechanics pull them out of the game you're telling me at the press conference you're seeing bad mechanics and he didn't look good pull him out that's your job right tell the head coach he needs to come out so yeah i think he yeah i think he waited till he saw the uh the, he watched the TV broadcast of it. Oh, uh, what's his name? Uh, McElroy, whoever was. No, Jordan Rogers was breaking mm-hmm. it down for him. I should have known that. Well, I'm going to go my press conference and act like I knew it. I just didn't <laughs> want to fix it. But I knew it. I knew it all along. I was seeing it. Yeah, but I didn't want to fix it for whatever reason. No sense in Nobody's coaching. paying me to be a better coach. They're just paying me just, you know, just to fill that role, I guess, or on a dotted line so then you got nick starkle who threw 19 pass attempts completed seven for 41 yards he had a 15 yarder that was his long and he was (laughs) sacked one time um so you know there you go with that you got ben hicks who was five of eight for 81 yards with a 22 yard long who got sacked twice He's in there one quarter. He's already getting sacked twice. I mean, I think, yeah. you know, you put him in for the full game, I think you wind up going, oh, man, he doesn't look that good. But that's just that's just what my guess is. We're going to find out. I think he's starting for Auburn. So we're going to find out. So altogether, <laughs> 122 yards passing the ball um, was just, <laughs> just horrible. So... If you can't There's, pass, run. It's real simple. Take 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 a sheet of paper. This is how this is how you do it. If you don't know, if any of the coaches are listening, take you a sheet of paper and write down every play that you run and how many yards you get, and then run the ones that are working more. Yeah, how about that? <laughs> That's pretty complicated, Chad. I don't know if they I don't know if they can handle it. I've seen. Good yeah, you know, it's become it's become a joke in the modern era of this all that like even like a sixty percent sick especially or uh uh 
And these what our offense is supposed to be the sixty percent, sixty five percent pass completion isn't isn't that like oh it's not like as as good as it used to be. Hell, we're not even that. We're at like forty percent passing for that game. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's no <laughs> you can't even complete half the passes, and we're still running. Then we're we're twenty seven pass attempts to twenty four rushes to the running backs. Crazy. So we got C.J. O'Grady with four catches for 44 yards, the 22 long. Uh, Mike Woods with three catches for 18 yards. I mean, that, come on. Traylon Burks with uh, two catches for 25 yards. Trey Knox, two catches for 24 yards. And uh, Tyson Morris for one catch for 11 yards. Not one touchdown for any of our receivers. Two touchdowns for a rushing game. Maybe when you're in the red zone, you quit trying to throw it in for a touchdown. Yeah, how many times? It seems like our passing touchdowns here has been farther on for big plays. I mean, there's been a couple mm-hmm. in the red zone, but not as many as uh, uh, definitely the smarter option is to at least use the run. We saw that in A&M. They just stopped running the ball on the last possession when they get down down close to the red zone. So, <laughs> Sam Malloy had four punts for 177 yards, four, 44.2 average, the 50-yard long. Uh, Halfway put, decent. Put him back in his 20 twice. Halfway decent. <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, yeah. Traylon Burks got 26 yards on the uh, on the return. Maybe. We throw Boyd back there since we're not able to return a ball past the 30. And he's really good at running. Or Whaley. I don't know. <laughs> I like Burks back there. I, th- I think he's going to break one. You think? Soon. He only I just say let's change chance. it up a little bit because it, it hasn't happened yet. So why not change it up a little bit, you know? Yeah, well, the defense isn't really forcing many punts themselves either, which I thought. <laughs> well, uh, that's a good point. Uh, so you got Connor Lampert, who uh, had a, a 28-yard field goal, a 44-yard field goal, and a uh, couple times we didn't even try for a field goal with him for no apparent reason whatsoever. Yeah, he should have at least been four out of four, or we should have at least, well, he should have been two for too and we should have turned those other ones into touchdowns but mm-hmm. you know before <clears throat> last game Craddock I think Craddock made a statement we're going to end every possession with a kick it's either going to be you know saying they're not going to turn it over or either going to uh, extra point a field goal or a punt <laughs> they included punt in that it's just like man that's that's where you're getting this not scoring touchdowns oh, you're just worried about you you're thinking it's okay to end a possession as long as you don't end a turn Punt's fine, you know, or a field goal's fine. And then I don't know what to think about defense anymore, Tim. I've been, <laughs> I've been trying to be a, a fan of the Chief, and, and man, it just feels like he just can't get it together. And I don't know if that's because he's got his hands tied and Morris isn't letting him do what he wants to do. But uh, he has had a tough time. He really has. Uh, I don't know. Maybe it's a maybe it's a personnel thing, or or maybe it's his assistants. You know, maybe he hadn't hired the right assistants. Um, 
I don't know. He's got some good assistance, though. I mean. Yeah, I expect a lot better effort out of the defense, um, especially with wide receiver playing quarterback. They knew he was going to play quarterback. I expect a lot. Um, some of it coaching. I think some of it's uh, personnel, and I also think some of it is the offense not not moving the ball and taking time off the clock and giving the – I don't think the defense is – Going to be pit. This defense is going to be pitching shutouts, but I think a little bit of it too. I'm going to attribute to some of this offense, especially in about the third quarter, especially the second half, where our time of possession was out of, uh, I mean, just out of proportion compared to um, Kentucky. So I'll tell you what was definitely not helpful was dropping the defense back into coverage whenever you yeah. had that quarterback running yeah. <laughs> all over the place and you only threw the ball eleven times. Why the mm-hmm. hell are you dropping them back into coverage? What the hell is that? Yeah. They should have known better. And they said before, they said, oh, we knew. It's not like he was just, oh, wow, he, you know, Sawyer Smith played and he got hurt. And then they put, but. Uh, it's uh, almost man. like you said, like, or we thought in the last podcast, oh, they're going to go ahead and go with the number two. And and you said, oh, yeah, you know, I'm more excited that they're going to go in there with Sawyer or whatnot because. That's going to, uh, you know, take a little pressure off because this running wide receiver quarterback will be a big problem. But you were 100% correct about that. <laughs> Sadly. you think they just didn't prepare for a running quarterback? They just didn't think one was coming, so they didn't prepare for it and then snuck him in? That's what it seemed like happened to me, honestly. Yeah, I mean, they sure acted like, uh, like they knew it or after the fact they admitted it and said they knew it. But how could you not? I mean, how could you? How could they not prepare for? Him? How could they not know that's his plate? Um, you got to prepare for both quarterbacks, because or at wasn't... least make an adjustment. Yeah, do something. But, but yeah, the Kentucky had, and we couldn't. I mean, also, you know, I was saying, you know, partly it's offense's fault too. It's like, well, get them off the field defense. They had Kentucky offense had the ball eleven minutes in the third quarters to our, or eleven and a half minutes to our three and a half. Mm-hmm. Uh, that entire quarter, and that was just, I'm, wow, it's horrible. <laughs> so we got Joe Fouché. He had eight solo tackles, three assists. Uh, you know, eleven eleven tackles total. So, uh, Dijon Harris with uh, six solos, four assists, uh, tackles for a loss. He had one tackle for a loss. One breakup, too, it looks like. And then you got Pumper, Bumper Pool, who had uh, five solos, five assists, uh, three tackles for a loss, and a breakup. Uh, Monteric Brown, five solos. That's it. Gabe Richardson, four solos, one assist. Uh, McGeem, Aguim, three solos, two assists, one sack. Uh, what is that? 1.5 tackles for a loss for 7 yards. Uh, then you have uh, Cameron Curl. 3 solos, 2 assists for a half tackle for a loss. So I guess he got in there with somebody. <laughs> uh, it was only a yard, so does that really yeah. count? Uh, TJ Smith. Uh, 1 solo, 1 tackle for a loss. Colin K. One solo, one tackle for a loss. Uh, da, 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 Marshall, 
one solo. I mean, there's a bunch of solos. Bell had a solo. Nichols, Miller, uh, I think, uh, what, Soli, uh, Clay. Um, that was about it. Oh, Hayden Henry with uh, four solo tackles. Grant Morgan with uh, four assists. Yeah, I mean, the big, probably a game had, you know, our all sack. Um, I know, well, I know the quarterback wasn't really dropping back that much. Um, you know, Bumper Paul, I think he had a career. Uh, he's the one with the pass breakup. I know they didn't pass that much, but um, uh, he had his career tackle, career high tackles with 10. Um, you know, had that one and a half tackle for loss. Um, you know, game two with that one and a half tackles for loss. So, um, but, you know, looking how many rushing yards they gave. Not a great effort, you know. Uh, one turnover force, we didn't do anything with it. Uh, Marshall forced it, Harris recovered it. Mm-hmm. Um, so just not, 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 not a lot of yards given up, only one turnover force, just not a good enough effort. And just watching the game, we had a little bit of trouble with uh, outside contain again, which we've had quite a bit of trouble with all year long. Uh, it might be good to stop running your stunts. Uh, on the outside because you keep getting caught up on the inside shoulder and losing out tight every time you do that. So that might be a good idea to just go ahead and stop that. Uh, and, uh, maybe just do inside stunts, just a suggestion, take it or leave it. Um, <laughs> then also to go along with our issues of outside contain, we had problems with plug in the middle this game and they were able to open holes right up the middle and then run the ball and uh, some of that was from the quarterback dropping back then going into pass protect and letting the uh letting the defensive guys move out like they normally would just kind of letting them lock up and kind of work their way out trying to get back to the quarterback and open those holes naturally and then run through those but you saw a lot a whole lot of that at some point, you got to be like, they're probably not going to run it. Let's go ahead and, you know, more run a run a uh, a run protection here against this pass protection, even though they're dropping back. And let's see if they throw the ball. You know, let's bring mm-hmm. a linebacker after them. So that, you know, that's what I would do. Well, I'd like to see that. You know, instead of taking your, you know, whenever they drop back with their kick steps or whatnot, instead of locking up with them and, you know what I'm saying, trying to work back to the quarterback, go ahead and, you know, maybe pinch or something like that or flow. Yeah, it's amazing in that how how they just lose sight of uh, Bowden. I mean, and he kept keeping the ball. I mean, over and over, not like he was just a game manager and he himself couldn't run and just handed it off there. I mean, he was keeping. I mean, somebody should have had a couple of them should have had eyes on him at all times. Yeah, it would be good to he... take the mic and turn him into a spy on the yeah. running quarterback. But if you hadn't worked that in practice, you're not going to be able to make an adjustment on that in the locker room. Yeah, well, they should have <laughs> been a little bit more prepared then, huh? Yeah, well, that that's where it makes me believe that they thought Sawyer was going to be the Sawyer, guy yeah. and they were practicing for him. Yeah, must have. Uh, I didn't but, prepared at all. That's it. That's uh, that's this one. I I knew it was gonna be a close one. 
I uh, don't know why I picked Arkansas to win this game. I didn't think they were going to. I think we said that right after we made our picks last week. <laughs> yeah, sadly. Uh, it's like, I, well, we said, I mean, the, uh, it's like until they, they haven't proven they can do it. Why do we do it? We're just homers. Yeah, if you're betting, maybe, you know, don't listen to us and our predictions for the Arkansas game. Yeah, I wouldn't take our. I mean, you should go on my bookie. Bet, oh, but yeah. I don't know if you would take our. I, I could. I could give you some good predictions for other games. I think we're yeah. not emotionally. Yeah. Invested, but with the Razorbacks, I just believe so much, even when I shouldn't, and I know I shouldn't, and I still do, because I'm a fan. And I know you guys are fans too, so I appreciate you guys coming and having hog pressing with us and, and working through this with us. And hopefully by the end of the podcast, we can feel a little bit better and we can at least have an understanding of what's going on. This is our therapy, guys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're trying to work through it, trying to get us past but it's hard not to pick the Hogs when they're playing Kentucky. Look, I didn't pick them to beat A&M. You know what I mean? It's just kind of – I'm not going to pick them to beat Auburn this week. I'm not going to pick them to beat Alabama. So, But I thought they should have beat Kentucky. I thought the other games I picked them to win, they should have beat San Jose State and Ole Miss. So, so sue me. Sue me. All right, let's have a word from our sponsor, and then we will uh, get right back into the Auburn game, and we will tell you guys – Exactly what's what. Back to the Hog Call Podcast. All right, so we're back. And we are taking a look at Auburn at this point. Um, If you're going to be betting, if you're going to be throwing some big bucks down, you know what you got to do. You got to use my bookie. You got to use promo code HogCall. They're going to go ahead and they're going to match whatever you put in. So if you bet a hundred, they're going to give you two hundred. If you bet a thousand, they're going to give you two thousand. All the way to a thousand dollars, they're going to match whatever you put in. So go to my bookie. Use promo code HogCall when you do that. Help us out a little bit. Help the podcast out just a tad. Use oh, promo yeah. code hog call at my bookie. Now I'm looking at it right now. We got Auburn versus Arkansas. Man, this is ridiculous. They're they're giving us 19 and a half points. They're saying Ooh. Auburn's gonna win this by 19 and a half points. Well, that's how that's where we are with the program, I guess, huh? It's a home uh, game at Arkansas. We went through it last week, and we said there's no reason that Vegas should have been saying that we would lose to Kentucky. All the numbers stacked up for us to win against Kentucky, but they still had us picked to lose, and again, I contend that it had to be 100% because Vegas is like, this coach is horrible. Yeah, all the numbers pointed towards us, and then it's like, it had to be something. So you're right on the money, Chad, and it came down to who's the better coach. So when we look at Auburn, 
They opened up with Oregon. They beat Oregon 27-21. Went on down and beat, who is that, Tulane 24-6. It's good for Tulane for putting up six on them. Oh, yeah. Then they played Kent uh, State, where the massacre occurred, and beat them (laughs) 55-16. Then they went on over to uh, Texas A&M at... uh, Barely beat Texas A&M. It's a 28-20 win. But as we know, barely wins are good wins. Well, in that game, too, I mean, obviously they made it close, but uh, it was uh, 28-10 Auburn in that game. So they went on the road in the fourth quarter and had an 18-point lead. Mm -hmm. A&M scores a couple late touchdowns. But, um, yeah, still. I mean, A&M ain't taking the moral victory, I'm sure. Exactly. Then they went over to uh, Mississippi State, and they beat Mississippi State 56-23, to which is not surprising after Mississippi State took a beating from Tennessee, which would mm-hmm. mean we would have a chance to beat Mississippi State if we had a different coach. So, they did take a loss to Florida, the luckiest team in the nation, 24-13. <laughs> I don't see how Florida's good this year. I really don't. I don't. I. I. I, I was like, they. They shouldn't be good. They got a bunch of young kids. They got, you know, a new coach. But you know, they're doing it. Just shows you what coaching can do for you. Yeah, I mean, a coach can make a difference. You saw what Mullen mm-hmm. turns that program around to uh, decent. You know, mm-hmm. um, they're not. They're not Steve Spurrier or Urban Meyer, Florida, but um, he has the better coach has, um, you know, shut that Auburn team down. Well, now, I mean, Florida has a real possibility to win their division in the SEC. They do. They really do. Uh, they got a good possibility of beating Georgia out for that division. Old time. Yeah, absolutely. Georgia lost to South Carolina. I mean, and they're not getting any. They're not going to get any fight from. I don't. South Carolina's already lost a couple. They played this weekend. Um, you know, they better beat South Carolina. Um, if they do that, it'll come down to that uh, uh, cocktail party, Florida versus Georgia, later on in the year for the championship. Because ain't nobody else. Kentucky sure ain't. Vanderbilt sure ain't. Tennessee ain't. Yep. So you know they're coming in mad. They're coming in with a loss. Uh, it's not the way you want them to come in. They Two haven't had trouble with any of the teams they should have beat all year. And the teams that are tougher teams, they've still beat them this year. Had two weeks to prepare for us, like you said, Tim. And now we got to, uh, now we got to get in a fist fight with them. Ooh, yeah, it's going to be... Uh... Let's hope we start throwing the ball a little better. Yeah, I think we uh, need to abandon the run. Don't even give it to Boyd yeah, just or Rayleigh one time and just throw it. Just don't know. even put them out there. No running backs on the field unless yeah. they're in a slot position. Oh, don't don't let Boyd get in the open field. He's not, he can't outrun. But we haven't seen that, have we? Mm-mm. Don't not get the ball in the playmaker's hands. Not all year. So that's from Craddock's. That's what that's what Craddock's saying in the meeting. No, pass. So, uh, 
Auburn's got a 16 to 11 advantage in, on us on, in the series, uh, which is really something that you could make up if you had a good coach. You could win a game, um, but you know, probably going to be a 17 advantage on us after after this week. Yeah, they've uh, man, they've we used to beat them all the time, man. Nothing handed it to them. Petrino handed it to them. Uh, yeah, the, ooh, la- lately. the last time they came up to Fayetteville, they won fifty-two to twenty. Yeah. So, you know, I don't time know. Before that, we did win in four overtimes. So <laughs> <laughs> that's that was an exciting game, but. I'd take Damn any it. kind of win right now. I'd be yeah, happy with care. it. Gosh, even yeah, man. Before that though, man, they. I mean, look at look at before the last. They've won five out of six years, man. Before that, they had lost four out of five, five out of seven. They were just smoking them. Of course, and that was even a lot of those were when they were they were we weren't too. <laughs> well, we were just going in. We we're going in Auburn. And beating them when they were ranked number four, number twenty, you know. Beating then, them here when we're, you know, they're ranked two. Exactly, yeah. and I think it's worth mentioning that Gus Malzahn has no respect for Arkansas. He's from Arkansas. He coached a lot of high school ball in Arkansas. It was a was a big time coach at, at uh, even even coached at the University of Arkansas as a offensive coordinator absolutely had no respect for the program while he was there uh he's asked to come back to the program and coach and used us as a way to get a raise so he absolutely has no respect for arkansas or the university of arkansas whatsoever um and you we should take a fan offense to that by as fans I know there's a lot of fans out there like, oh, we want to get, you know, Malzahn here and this, that, and other. And he had his opportunity, and the way he yeah. did us was just wrong. And it, you should take offense to it, in my opinion. Yeah, I dislike uh, Malzahn very much. Yeah, Houston Nutt gave him his first job in college and just kind of and said a whole, that team should have been better in 06, you know? Mm-hmm. Thought you know, I thought it was a, you know an outside the box move by not trying to change, shake some things up, and you know what does Malzahn do? It just calls him and his um, uh, uh, whatever Springdale Five and their parents and that that little group right there causes turmoil, tries to disrupt the team, and they still win ten games that year. But maybe without that, without Gus's fault, it's Gus's fault they didn't win a champ national championship that year. How about that? Yeah. Well, that that's a that's a tough <laughs> pill to swallow, Tim. <laughs> yeah, it is. Uh, nothing like opening up an old, you know, just mm-hmm. ripping it off, just letting it, you know, push us back again. So basically, these guys just got an amazing defense this year. Their offense is pretty good. It's nothing to, it's not it's not the best offense in the world. But whenever you got a defense that's that's doing as well as your defense is doing this year, you don't have to have, you know, the best offense in the world. And I think it's really more of a defensive-minded team uh, this year than than we've seen in the past. Yeah, and they're missing their uh, 
uh, uh, Jatarvius Whitlow, he goes out. He's not going to play this game. I think he's out a couple weeks more after that, too. He's averaging, you know, five yards carry. He's got seven touchdowns on the year, 90 uh, yards of games. Had some real good, um, you know, 560 yards. Um, you know, but that's seven touchdowns is most by anybody on the team. Um, that's even more. Well, one less than Bo Nix is even their quarterback is thrown for. So that's a big that's a big help for us um, that the starting running backs out, but they also have Cam Martin and uh, some other guys that's played this year and played in years previous with some experience. Mm-hmm. So, but they'll still be run first, and 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 their second leading rusher is quarterbacks. So they got a mobile quarterback, and uh, we know how we defend against those Good guys. Lord. Yep. And uh, hey, guess what, Chad? He's a freshman. But freshmen can't play. No, yeah, no. Freshmen aren't no good. Not an SEC starting quarterback. No, no. The SEC, if you're a freshman, yeah, that's something. To, I mean, I guess that was one of the things I used to say, oh, you got to worry about that if you're a freshman, blah, blah. And I do agree that they're not, a freshman's not as adapt as, as upperclassmen. Yeah. But at the same time, you should be able to compete and beat certain teams with freshmen. Especially teams who like Kentucky, Vanderbilt, San Jose State, <laughs> Colorado, Texas. so on and so forth, Ole Miss. <laughs> like teams that are beatable, you should be able to beat them. With any kind of half effort. I mean, I, what kind of effort yeah, is this? I, I'm not saying we could have beat this Auburn team with our team. I'd be saying we were, this is going to be a tough game if we're rolling into this five and one, you know? Yep. Mm-hmm. Which we should be rolling Absolutely. into this five and one. If but not six and oh. You know what? You would feel like there is a chance if you're rolling in five and one, and we would be looking at this like, oh, they got a freshman quarterback. And we'd be mm-hmm. talking about how we have an opportunity against a freshman quarterback. But right now, we can't do that because. You know, we've been so horrible. Yeah, that's the thing. Is like they should be five. And, uh, should be you know Auburn's five and one too. It's just, hey, we mm-hmm. coming home. Um, you know we're off a couple couple SEC wins under our belts. They got their starting running back out against a true freshman uh, quarterback. Might be a you know a, a, a I know it's maybe a little little. Uh, Wet kind of a conditions, maybe a little chilly in the morning. Nice eleven game with the with the uh, you know the smoky atmosphere and the the fog of the morning and the Ozarks. You know it's gonna be a nice like ground and pound game, low scoring affair probably. Mm-hmm. But now I feel like well, if we don't score, they're still gonna. <laughs> I, I can't believe that, but if we don't run the ball and at least you know. Well, we're going to go up against one of the toughest defenses we've seen so far. So yeah, absolutely. You know. We'll see. Uh, so let's just run through this this offense real quick. So you got QB, uh, Bo Nix, 6'2", 207-pound freshman. He's going to be starting. That's who you're going to be seeing. Uh, very mobile quarterback. And has a really good arm on him, too, by the way, especially for a freshman. Uh, has made some bad decisions this year that's put him in some troubled spots and give and put him in some situations they shouldn't have been in and actually probably cost him a loss at Florida, uh, putting him in those situations. But yeah, I mean, it seems like they're also running a much simpler offense this year than they normally do. 
because of that freshman quarterback. Yeah, I mean, Florida at Florida is a tough place to play. Nine at Swamp, ninety thousand rough atmosphere when they're ranked tenth. Mm-hmm. You know, it's still you know fifty five percent completion. You know, he's over a thousand yards already, eight touchdowns. But then you know those five interceptions. But he also has you know he's ran the ball forty five times, a hundred. Well, I guess after the loss, hundred ninety one yards, a couple of touchdowns, a long thirty. Um, but you know, going back to that very first game of the year, Oregon, they're down a couple of scores, and he. As a true freshman, his first game, he comes leads them roaring back. So he's got a, you know, he's got Moxie some winning in him. Um, oh, so yeah. he's definitely he's definitely capable. I don't think I, I'm pretty sure he's going to come back after after two weeks since that Florida loss, ready to ready to show he he does belong in the SEC. I agree. And then you got uh, you got your running backs, which they have a whole stable of running backs. They got Cameron Martin. 5'10", 189-pound senior. He's, he's a guy that's been very good running back for uh, uh, Auburn throughout the years. Uh, you got Malik Miller, 5'11", 235-pound junior. He's been a really good running back for him. you got Sean Shivers, 5'7", 179-pound senior. Uh, he's been pretty good. You don't hear a whole lot about him. Uh, DJ Williams, 5'10", 216-pound freshman. He's really turned it up this year. Uh, done a lot for the team. And then Harold Joyner, 6'4", 215-pound. He's a redshirt freshman, so we probably won't see him in there at all. Yeah, you with Whitlow out, you'll probably see Martin get the bulk of the carries. Also, Shivers is second behind him. Mm-hmm. Uh, they both average five-plus uh, five yards a carry. Um, you know, Martin's got a couple touchdowns. Like you said, Miller, uh, he's played a couple games. Mm-hmm. Uh, Williams and I think uh, Joyner will probably be um, fit to get a carry. But you'll probably see Martin and Shiver uh, heavy on Saturday, especially exactly. Martin and Knicks as quarterback. Exactly. So then you got uh, your tight ends, uh, Spencer Nye, J.J. Wilson, uh, John Samuels, Sheeker. And uh, Harold Harold Joyner, uh, Nye as a six foot, two hundred sixty seven pound senior. JJ's a six three, two hundred forty nine pound senior. Uh, Shaker is a six three, two hundred forty eight pound senior. And then Harold Joyner, two hundred fifteen pound redshirt freshman. Yeah, so uh, they really don't seem like they've got JJ. Um. Joiner four catches. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, uh, John Samuel only a couple catches, and Spencer Knight only one catch. So. What's really interesting about yeah. their tight ends is they'll run a big package where they'll put the tight end in as a uh, as a, a halfback. Uh-huh. So you know you see that from time to time. So what's interesting about that is we don't have that package at the University of Arkansas. But we're supposed to be, you know, modeling this coach, right? Yeah. So a lot of times, I mean, that's an extra two starters. Nice. He's two hundred sixty-seven pounds. Wilson's mm-hmm. two forty-nine. So you're gonna see. I mean, they list for their depth chart. So uh, that's why they go to. I mean, they're. I mean, they may not catch a whole lot of balls, but um, they're definitely a big part of their run offense. Oh, absolutely. So just keep a keep an eye out for that. Uh, then you got your uh, wide receiver Seth Williams, uh, 6'3", 224 pound senior. Uh, Anthony Swartz, six foot, uh, one hundred seventy nine pound senior. 
Uh, you got uh, Sal Kalina, 6'5", 228-pound senior. Uh, Eli Stowe, 6'1", 188-pound junior. And then uh, Will Hastings, 5'10", 174-pound senior. I know Will Hastings has been really tearing it up this year, at least in the game I was watching. Yeah, and he's actually a guy um, played it. Um, like, uh, so we overlooked him. As mm-hmm. far as getting him here, um, he's been a big pass catcher. Uh, he's got 10 catches, 162 yards, mm-hmm. a touchdown. Uh, Stove's got 191 yards, two TDs. And Seth Williams, their leading uh, pass catcher, 368 yards, five touchdowns. And then um, Anthony Schwartz, I know he had a big game last year, 110 yards. Uh, Canelo also 130 yards. And, uh, yeah. And they're really good at running the ball, pulling you in. Throwing it over the top, that's kind of what their forte is. Uh, of course, we talked about that a little bit earlier in the podcast, but that's what you're going to see a lot is uh, a lot of runs, a lot of sweeps, a lot of uh, options, uh, RPOs, things like that, where it's going to be more run-heavy than pass-heavy. And even when they do pass the ball, Chad, they've got <clears> – <throat> they've got two sets of different styles of receivers. You've got Seth Williams, the big body, 225. Canella, 6'5", 228. And then you also, as opposed to those kind of more um, position guys, taller, big body guys, they got Eli Stowe, mm-hmm. six foot 188, and Hastings, 5'10", 174, that can get lost in the defensive secondary. Uh, 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 well, a bunch of uh, slants, crossing patterns with those linebackers. Those guys are a little quicker. So they got two styles of guys that are going to be able to catch the ball. And um, also in that mouse on there, uh, those guys also do a big – Great job at uh, pass blocking, too, for that, that run offense. So. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And another thing that they do really good is um, they like to throw those screen passes. So mm-hmm. it's really more of a, a run-type game. And, and as many of those as they throw, they throw that screen pass out where you're really getting it to a wide receiver out to the outside and letting them act as a running back. Um, and, and uh, you know. But you know what I mean. Yeah, getting, I mean, something we should be doing. Mm-hmm. That are, uh, better and kind of giving them a chance in the open field. But, yeah, that's the thing they've always kind of – that's why we've kind of lost a lot. Uh, Mouse's offense is frustrated here in the last couple of years because it does that. And we're just not able to stop those screens. And you got to watch out, too, because they'll also run those middle screens where they'll drop that quarterback way back and, and they'll just let everybody go and then they'll just dump the ball over the line in the middle and just let him run down the middle of the field, too. So you'll see some, like, middle screens and stuff like that, tight end screens, a lot mm-hmm. of different uh, really creative screens that, that Malzahn runs. Yeah, they definitely do a variety on offense. That's why um... – uh, it starts with the run, but uh, and they'll do, like you said, Chad. Not, I mean, it doesn't count in in the stat book at least, but they do a lot within the passing game. They're pretty much like a run. Mm-hmm. Um, exactly. So. so, here's the thing, man. And if you you had a lineup like this, you'd probably run the ball too, right? Yeah. Left tackle, uh, Prince Tiga Wanago, six foot seven, three hundred five pounds, senior. Left guard, Mikael Harrell, 6'3", 309-pound senior. Center, Caleb Kim, 6'4", 300-pound senior. Uh, Right guard, Mike Horton, 6'4", 325-pound senior. Right tackle, Jack Dorsell, 6'5", 
296 pounds senior. And then he's backed up by Ham, 6'5", 312 pounds senior. And you see them rotating in. The center's backed up by Nick Brahms, 6'3", 301 pounds senior. And then uh, to Sean Manning, uh, 6'3", 206 pounds senior. He's your left guard backup. And then uh, your left tackle backup, Alec Jackson, 6'5", 304 pounds senior. So they're able to rotate them guys in and stay fresh. So they'll just keep the ball and and just just have fun with it. I, I, w- I would imagine we could see them running the clock down a little bit in this game. Yeah, they're, uh, they're big time in time of possession. Um you know, on average per down, they run the ball. Their biggest, I mean, first and second down, uh, they average over or 5.9 average on second down, 6.2 running the ball on first down, 190 attempts, first down, 105 on second down, and also 84 attempts on third down. So they run the ball so much and are very good at it. And like you're, you're listing these heightened um, uh, weights for the line and then experience, <laughs> those guys are just huge. And even the I backups mean, are seniors. Yeah, so they're loaded. I mean, they've got. I don't know what they're doing next year. Yeah, I guess reload as a. (laughs) (laughs) I guess it's going to be a rebuilding year for them. Yeah, I mean they they better you know Malzahn's been on the hot seat, so he better take advantage. Um, Yeah, what is what is Auburn thinking anyway with him on the hot seat? I mean, what's he done wrong besides win? Well, they think they should be as good as Alabama. They're not going (laughs) to. Or never should be. So. Yeah, yeah, probably not going to happen. <laughs> they might, yeah, in a few years, if they keep a good coach. I, I don't like him, but he is a good coach. I got to give him that. Yeah, I would have definitely rather him came, actually came home and not not spurned us and actually came home, you know, since they didn't want him and, mm-hmm. and led us to it. I guarantee you he wouldn't be 4-13 and 13 here. But you know what? He did that, so I don't like him. So I hope he loses and falls on his face this year. I hope we beat him Saturday, but, uh, you know. <laughs> oh, yeah. We're coming after you. All right. So when we go over to defense, you got your uh, Buck, which I believe is her Nickelback, uh, Big Cat Bryant. That's actually his name. Wow. 6'5", <laughs> 247-pound junior. And that is the coolest name that yeah, I've that heard is. in college football. In a while, Big Cat Bryant. Yeah, he's a beast. He backs <laughs> it up, too. That's what I like about it, man. He's not just sitting there. <laughs> Never plays. He is. Oh, and you got yeah. your uh, D-tackle, Derek Brown, 6'5", 318-pound senior. Big old boy. Uh, D-tackle, Tyrone Trulsted, 6'2", 310-pound junior. Uh, defensive end, Marlon Davidson, 6'3", 278-pound senior. Um, so that's that's their line. That's what their line looks like there. And, yeah. uh, you know, they slide that, that butt guy in and out, put him back in cover sometimes, put him on the line. He's got to be really, really athletic, but uh, he's still big enough that he can, he can play some serious balls. It's almost like a tight end on your defense. Oh, yeah. I mean, Bryant's got six quarterback hurries. He had a fumble recovery, took it for 83 yards. Um, Truesdale, five tackles for losses, three sacks on the year. Davidson, three and a half sacks on the year, five and a half tackles for loss. Um, yeah, they're uh, – uh, and Derek Brown, um, 
five tackles for loss, three sacks, a couple breaks up, you know, two fumble recoveries, two forced fumbles. That's a main defensive line, maybe one of the best in their uh, kind of research, and they're really high on it. And uh, this is a really good defense, especially a really good run defense. Oh, yeah. those, those guys up there, senior, two seniors, two juniors. Yeah, backing them up are all juniors and seniors. I saw six say you look at their backups. You got TD Moultrie, 6'2", 245, a 403-pound junior. Nick Cole, 6'5", 291-pound junior. Uh, Collis Meller, 6'2", 312-pound senior. Uh, uh, yeah, that's it. That's the other kid is a freshman, Derek Hall, uh, 6'3", 230-pound freshman. But the point is they got a lot of depth. They can rotate in and out. Uh, the one thing is you see Cole playing a lot of different positions as far as their rotation guys. So that really starts to limit their depth a little bit. Yeah. But <clears throat> they do a really good job this defense, excuse me, you know, shortening the offense. So, you know, those guys are, if they're off for a couple plays, and kind of force you to punt. And try to run it and keep them fresh. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and then uh, I guess whenever Nick Coe is not back up on the line, he's playing outside linebacker, 6'5", 291-pound junior. What in the world that about? Yeah, that is strange to have a defensive tackle. I mean, it's one thing to have a def- <laughs> flash linebacker, but. A defensive tackle slash linebacker. That's interesting. That's weird. His back's up 70 pounds lighter than he is. Yeah. Chandler Wooten, 6'2", 228-pound junior. Uh, hmm. And then you got uh, outside linebacker uh, Owen Papio, 6'1", 219-pound freshman. I've heard a lot about him. Seen seen his name called in a lot of different games. He's done a couple cool things in the games I've scouted. Uh, Zach will be McLean, six foot, 210 pound senior. Uh, the uh, other outside linebacker, KJ Britt, six foot, 236 pound junior. Uh, Chandler Wooten, 6'2", 228 pounds junior. So that's their, their, uh, DBs. Yes. He got Britt, probably their all else's tender. Second in the team in tackles, 32. He's got six, leads the team tackles for loss, six minus for minus 24. Got it. A couple sacks. Mm-hmm. Um, some other things. McLean's got 26 tackles, uh, a couple tackles for loss. Um, uh, uh, Papo. <laughs> uh, man, I definitely. Or <laughs> about Curry, some other things uh, uh, from that position. So, really solid. You know, they're not as experienced, probably not the strong point as much of the defensive line, but still, obviously, a solid group. Oh, yeah. I mean, the whole defense is a solid group. You, you look at their cornerbacks here. You got, uh, I can't even say his name. You got Noah Abagibigibi. I can't even <laughs> say it. Man. It's 5'11", 200-pound uh-huh. junior. Uh, then you got uh, Javaris Harris, or Davis, 5'10", uh, 180-pound senior. Um, Kristen Nutt, uh, Tut, 5'11", uh, 190-pound senior. Um you know, their backups, Javaris Davis, 5'1", 180-pound senior. Uh, Devin Bryant, 6-foot, uh, 195-pound junior. Uh, Roger McRae, 6-foot, 188-pound senior. So you can see those cornerbacks, most of the 
starters are are really uh, juniors, but then you got your seniors who are backing up your juniors. So you got your rotation guys coming in. They're still very very experienced, really good uh, as far as their cornerbacks go. Uh, Tut, I think, is, is probably the best cornerback uh, that they have. That I've heard, I've I've seen him make a lot of good plays this year. Yeah, Tut's another one of those. Um, kind of reads some things too preseason. Supposed to be their strong point in that secondary. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know, Jeremiah Denson from, uh, or they both got two senior safeties. Denson he leads the team in tackles with forty three, three and a half tackles for loss, a couple sacks from that position. And he's only got. You believe this as good as that Auburn defense has been this year? They've got one interception on the whole whole year in oh, Denson. Wow. He's but also that changes cover. after this yeah. game. <laughs> Don't say that, Chad. Sorry, but you're probably right. <laughs> and he got smoked Monday. Six-two, uh, oh, hundred eighty-six pounds senior. Cool name. Just got to shout that cool name out. Yeah. Daniel Thomas, five-eleven. 209-pound senior. Uh, Jermaine Sherwood, 6'2", 204-pound senior. That's your safeties and your strong safeties. Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, you know, they're they're really short guys in their secondary, but we've shown that we cannot take advantage of that, so I don't expect that to matter too much. It should. It should be something that we can take advantage of, especially with our height and everything and be able to high point some balls and stuff like that but uh we haven't shown that we can do that this year yeah you know we and we talked i think it was just last week kentucky secondary but you know all receiver i mean mike woods is their shortest starting receiver really any receiver that plays at six one but you know grady at tight end six four you got burke six three Knox six five mm-hmm. and then even their backups are uh pretty good size so you think we should take advantage of that but yeah, we sure don't. Well, I'll, I want to kind of be proved that this uh, coach can uh, develop develop a game plan and take advantage. So, what about special teams? Do we do uh, talk about them at all? Anything on special teams that's standing out to you? Um, I mean. Anders Carlson, I think uh, they're uh, maybe Albert's one of his leads point. Daniel Carlson, kicker they had for so. Assuming that's their little brother, I feel like I should know that. Mm-hmm. He's seven and eight field goals, twenty four out of twenty four on PATs, punting. Um, Aaron suppose forty three uh, punt average. Um, you know, I mean, it's um, <laughs> not the best, not the best uh, kicker average. Punt return average seventh, so not a whole lot. You know, what they I'm did looking return. at here says their punt return and kick return are defensive guys. Am I seeing something wrong here? The Christian Tut and the Noah could be it. Uh, that's just unusual. Yeah, wow, he, he's 15.4 average. Um, uh, yeah, even oh, all those guys are. But he's a kick, biggest kick returner. But yeah, Tut, uh, what the most speedy guy. I mean, they got some athletes back there at second. That's their strategy, maybe for recruiting. Maybe Malzong, uh, Kevin Steele, the defense coordinator, likes those athletes back there because they're good enough for punt return. 
I guess so. That's that's you don't see that that often. That's really interesting. Yeah, that's a uh, that's uh, kind of like putting Deion Sanders back there. Or, um, <laughs> that's you know, a big, that's a big name right there too. Yeah. <laughs> you don't see it all the time. Everyone's throw Dion uh, back there. You know, uh, he recently like Tyron Matthew, uh, the Honey Badger for LSU, but. I need some other names. It's not a whole lot of names to come up with. It does happen, but definitely not as much. It is kind of surprising when you see it. Last year, when we went and played Auburn, they were number nine in the nation, and they beat us 34-3. to I remember trying to find positives out of that game. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I do, How too. embarrassing that. So, now we get to guess... What this year's gonna look like, Tim? Okay. I'm gonna go Auburn thirty-eight. I heard Auburn thirty-eight. I didn't get the other. No, Auburn thirty-eight, Arkansas seventeen. Thirty-eight to seventeen. Wow. All right. I I'm gonna go uh, Auburn twenty-four, Arkansas zero. Oh, good lord, Chad. I don't think we're going to be able to move the ball on this defense. I don't think we're going to be able to go from the 40 to the 40. Or 40 to the 20. What you Uh, don't know, Chad, is part of seven of my points are from uh, their freshman quarterback throwing a pick six for our defense. Our defense is going to have to score again. If our defense don't score, we don't have a chance. I didn't think about the defense scoring. Dang it. (laughs) I already made my... I already did it. I felt like I predicted much better. So here's the thing. Uh, Maybe our defense will show up. Maybe they'll surprise us a little bit. It seems like we always get some weird surprise in games. You know, offense shows up and surprises us, or defense shows up against Alabama and surprises us. You know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. Just like weird, like, oh, we almost won that one and stuff like that, but we can't never, like – you know, put it all together. So we're going to have something show up. So my guess is our defense shows up, plays pretty good, keeps them to a low scoring game, but uh, their defense shows up a little bit better. Yeah, it's hard to, it's hard to uh, project and predict that our defense is going to outshine theirs and that our offense the way it is. Mm-hmm. We only put 20 points on the board against Kentucky that we're going to put any more or do anything uh, you know, better against uh, Auburn. And then also, you know, we get gashed for 300-plus yards rushing against Kentucky. What's Auburn going to do to us? Even with their starting running back, still got uh, very capable, uh, as you, uh, uh, you know, well said, the stable running backs that are capable, that know the offense that's been around the program a couple of years, juniors and um, sophomores and uh, I think even senior that know this offense, know how to run this uh, running plays. Absolutely. So they're going to go and play uh, LSU after this and take a whipping. So you can oh, so we're tracking that. Yeah. They're going to overlook us for a quarter. Well, they might. <laughs> they might. What if we slip up and win this one? It saves his, it saves coach's job. Well, Everybody's that'd be like, great. oh, well, we beat Auburn. Well, that's fine. 
I didn't know why you, anybody projected it, though. He's got to prove it, though. Better be him good. Yeah. <laughs> like, not a mistake win or a little lucky win, but like a from beginning to end win. Here we are again, Chad. I talking still ourselves want to fire him. It. Even if he beats Auburn, I still say we fire him. <laughs> <laughs> what if he beats Auburn and loses every other? Then they'll, well, then they'll hold up progress. Sure. Oh, yeah. Like, oh, well, he mean? beat Auburn. You know, we beat Auburn. Next year's going to be Malzahn got years. fired after the year. He's the, re- <laughs> the reason Malzahn got fired because he lost to Moore. <laughs> we won three games instead of two. That's an improvement. How do you not see that? Golly. That's clear-cut data. He did go from what, you know, <laughs> two wins to five wins his first year, his first couple years at SMU. Big time, big time uh, program change. All right, well, it's time to shift gears. Start right. talking a little Razorback basketball. Uh-oh. Where, where are we going to be playing? The Trojans. Yeah, actually, isn't that, that's crazy for a charity. Um, you know, it's 41 degrees up here tonight. It's feel like basketball weather. So they're uh, they're playing this game, uh, uh, charity. They're uh, doing Nolan Ridge. Uh, unveiling, so they're honoring him with the court uh, 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 Sunday. So it's Sunday, three p.m. time. And guess what, Chad? What's that? This game is going to be on SEC Plus. We're going to oh. be able to watch. It's not going to be on regular TV, but it's definitely it's going to be on. You know, I'm the ASP three or I'm you, know, you, you can put it on your TV. <laughs> yeah, watch I don't care. Phone. Just as long as it's on something, as long as yeah. I can tune in somehow. I'm all good. Put it on the internet. That's fine. I'll put it on my big screen. I'll get my beer. I'll sit back and watch it. Just put it somewhere so I can watch it. Yeah, I can't wait for that. That surprised me. I was checking on it today. I was like, man, I wonder if it's going to be. We talked about it last week. You know, I was like, man, maybe maybe they've announced it be on the radio or something. Wow, yeah, SEC Plus. I was like, heck yeah. I can even get away with not having Southwestern Oklahoma State. On anything, if I can get that Little Rock, you know, that's a better matchup. You know, Little Rock's coached by Daryl Walker, a former hog, played under Eddie Sutton, went on to play in the NBA. Um, they were in the tournament a couple years ago under Chris Beard. Um, so that's exciting. But the unveiling old and interesting court games on TV, it's good also with that that they got it worked out where we can watch it too to uh-huh. see the, how that new court looks and see see if they uh, how the court looks. And, and yeah, that'd be cool. New team and so, and Litterock's going to bring it. It's not like a regular exhibition game. It's not going to oh, be. Oh, yeah. They're 11th like, in the Sun Belt. They're coming after us. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's <laughs> it's kind of like you saw, um, you know, why everybody, why Arkansas State always whines and complains about not, uh, you know, they're they're definitely looking forward to playing us. Uh, the Hogs are too. The Hogs are looking forward to playing a different team. Oh, so yeah. I doubt they'll overlook Litterock, but uh, you know, probably a lot of those, a lot of, they got a lot of guys on from Arkansas, state of Arkansas that played high school. We do too, so that's gonna be a fun one. I can't wait. <laughs> I'm yeah, looking forward no, to I, it. Absolutely. Yeah, I think it's gonna be fun. I'm excited about it myself. Uh, can't wait to watch it on TV. I think the really cool thing about this game, like you said, they're the name of the court after Nolan, and it's an Arkansas versus Arkansas team. But there's been many years since I've been in college, or since I was in college, where 
the Trojans were in the tournament and we wasn't. And so I was rooting for them, you know. And, oh, for uh, sure. So it's exciting. They're not a, a, a cup. I mean, they are this year kind of a cup take team. But a lot of years, they're not a cup take team. They're kind of one of the better teams in the uh, Sun Belt. So uh, it's going to be fun. And, and as you know, with basketball, you can be in a smaller division and be a tougher team. It's not like football. So, yeah, well, absolutely in basketball because a lot of these teams you'll see, you know, they've returned six guys, six or, um, or eight guys that played last year. Uh, you know, they lost their leading scorer, like Rajon Tucker. He averaged points a game, mm-hmm. but they're returning their next couple, uh, Marquise now and, um, um, that you know, a lot of guys have scored. Uh, so they lost Tucker. Yeah, they lost Tucker, but, but they've they got, got now. And he had twenty five points per game, so he was right on his tail. Well, uh, let's see. Let's see. Yeah, he's five seven, one fifty five. Quick guy from Harlem. Uh, so you know he's bringing toughness. Mm-hmm. And then you got another uh, scorer, Nikola Merrick, who averaged about ten points a game. He's six ten, um, two fifty. Um, uh, Bankston's come back, uh, come back this year. Um, mm-hmm. he, he's from DeWitt, Arkansas. He's 6'8", junior, uh, 220. He's uh, going to be a big matchup for yeah. And he averaged, you know, eight points a game, um, uh, about five rebounds a game. So they're missing, besides Tucker, a lot of these guys came back, mm-hmm. learned. So I expect, um, their really rebounds bad. are kind of low. Pippins is coming back too, right? Yeah, Pippins is coming back too. He um, had five think, points per game, two rebounds, not too shabby. Uh huh. I think Lottie too. He seven points a game and a couple of rebounds. Um, it's one thing Daryl Walker went out and did offseason. Kind of like our team's going to be this year. Pretty short. They only had one guy maybe above six eight. Now he's got about mm-hmm. three of them. Oh, okay. He's got a seven foot guy. He's got a six eleven guy. A six ten guy. And another six ten guy, so he he's added some big bodies um, in this second year to try to uh, compound that. So which will be a good test for him. So that's one of my concerns about this year. Rebounding, um, that wasn't our strong suit last year either. We'll see how it improves, but this will be a good test against a better team. I'm glad we're you know we're not starting off with the with the uh, Southwestern Oklahoma State or, uh, or a school, a Division II school or somewhere along those lines. I'm glad we're really going to have some competition. No, it's going to yeah, be exciting, exciting atmosphere, exciting. Um, you know, it doesn't count for the record, but, you know, it's really – it's it's big time. I mean, this counts for um, – you know, and uh, Musselman's first game as a head hog. There's a lot of uh, – you know, oh, yeah. football so bad. There's a lot of pressure on this basketball team to, to make a tournament be competitive. It's going to set a big precedent this year, yeah, that's for sure. It's really exciting. I mean, I was excited about that game, you know, kind of waiting to basketball. It's here. It's coming in a couple of days. You know, if we get beat big time to Auburn, at least we're like, well, basketball starts tomorrow. So, mm-hmm. you know, and then hockey's also got big uh, – we'll get to that, but big games too. So, it's – we can get through it, guys. We can get through it, Hawk fans. Hopefully Auburn game won't be embarrassing. Maybe we can find some strong points. So, maybe it's so get so embarrassing. Your check fires Morris. Um, you know, after the game. So what do you think our lineup's going to look like in this game? We're going to have, you know, Isaiah, Joe, and obviously Bailey, Seals, Harris. Like, what do you, what, what's your, like, talk to me a little bit about your lineup and, and what that what that looks like going into this game. Yeah, my, my projection for the starting lineup, 
Um, obviously, Isaiah Joe um, at the shooting guard spot. I'm mm-hmm. thinking Jimmy Witt um, um, at the point guard. And you might see uh, definitely Mason Jones probably, or he might be bench. Um, Jalen Harris, you know, he started most every game or as point guard, so you might see him. Um, uh, definitely Adrian Bailey, a senior uh, as a forward. And then I would think Reggie Chaney, um, mm-hmm. the power forward position. So it's kind of going to be interesting. Well, I think Chaney's um, going to have a good year this year. I'm really excited about about his year this year. Yeah, I think he improves. He's got a lot – a lot of not necessarily riding on him, but expected. But as a as a player who freshman, he got a good quite a minutes, got an opportunity last year. But why? I mean, I'm sure Cheney's not complaining, knowing he's got a bigger role and he's going to be playing, mm-hmm. you know, thirty minutes a game this year. But I think I'm excited to see Mason Jones too. I think he's going to have a, a good year too. Yeah, I mean, he's a guy that you know, especially in this um, pick and roll type stuff. Yeah, I mean, because he could shoot the ball. I mean, you know, he's a taller guard, 6'5", um, even trimmed down even more this year. Um, you know, he was hit or miss last year. He can get it on. He had games where he's 30-something points several times. Um, when he gets on with his threes, when he's when he's getting in the lane and driving, um, aggressive on defense, getting steals, um, it's really exciting. We all know what to do. He's going to light it up, might break some records for mm-hmm. three. Um, he's also going to open up some things for a lot of guys. Uh, he's going to be keyed on. You know, he was projected this week second team All SEC. I think that's low. Yeah, uh, I think he's going to be first team, but um, hopefully they use that as um, uh, locker room material. And then we were also kind of another thing on that projected eleventh out of fourteenth at SEC. I don't agree with that, but another thing, um, we're just kind of approved. I'm yeah. also kind of guys we didn't really talk about last week as much, but you got a grad senior, Gentil Silla, who played at UNC Wilmington. He's from Lake Fort, Lake Worth, Florida originally, excuse me, went to high school there. Six, seven guys, six guys, post for Um A guy, I'm sorry I haven't mentioned uh, in this little segment, um, is Desi Seals, who finished off the year in a flurry. He can shoot the ball. He's a dog on defense. Looking did, forward to his sophomore. He did look good last year. year. He looks really. You know, all good. these guys are going to be better, Chad. You know. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. We're going to have a much better year this year, I think, than we did. Are we better? We should. I mean, yeah, Coach came in and said he thought he could take them deep in the tournament, and that's what you know. Obviously, we're supposed to be expecting. You know, we're firing coaches and everything else, so we better have a good year this year, in my opinion. We better have a real good year. Uh, yeah. I- let me ask you this, and and I just want this from a, a basketball coach's perspective because you know the game so much better than just your average fan like me, but I know what the pick and roll is. What's pick and pop, and what's the difference? Like, Talk to me a little bit about that so that like, I know what to expect when I'm watching this game. Well, EG, you know, I kind of talked about that a little bit with Van Over. I wish he was playing. I don't think he cleared. But you'll see this big guy, especially one that can shoot. So the pick and roll... Is a guy, uh, you know, he screens for the uh, uh, player who gets the ball up at the top, mm-hmm. and then he rolls on, kind of uh, makes a move to the basket, looking for the pass. Um, he can also go down and set a screen, or he can uh, kind of a down screen, or he can post up down there, pick and pop. He's gonna uh, he's gonna screen for the ball handler, and then kind of uh, move to that top or uh, move up, you know, and look for the shot or uh, okay. catch the ball. And, in the triple threat position. So it's more staying up top rather than, um, you know, running down, sliding down to the post area. Okay. So where you can either shoot it or get the ball or 
you know, or the ball handler can drive in. It kind of opens up the lane because you take away the uh, center or power forward from the lane. Yeah, you're trying. You you're kind of pulling out the players from the yeah. middle of the court there. Exactly, like yeah. you're talking about with like doing that on in, in football. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like that opening up the lane for uh, for a driver, or or you can get the ball and shoot or pass from that position too. So that's really cool. Yeah, that's what I was wondering about. So. Uh, do you think coach is going to like, you know, is it going to be, yeah, I know we talked about this and we said, we're not going to see as much full court press. We're going to see more half court, stuff like that. Uh, are we going to be seeing more, you know, sprinting down the other end of the, 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 the court, throwing the ball down there as fast as they can? Are we going to see more just getting the ball inbounded, taking our time, dribbling it down, setting something up with, you know, whatever play we're looking to do and, and and running more plays that way and kind of, you know, getting away, get, going towards more of that, I guess I would say that NBA style versus that college style that we, we were with with uh, the last coach where we took the ball in, we tried to get it down the other end as quick as we could. A lot of times we'd throw the ball away, you know, from one side of the court to the other, just all about getting to the other side of the basket fast and trying to make a break on the team. Do you think that's kind of what what uh, what we're going to see a little more of? I'm not necessarily going to uh, predict a slower as far as getting the ball up, like a maybe a Big Ten kind uh-huh. of a or a slower a slower team per se. You know, he does. You know, he says he wants more possessions for the pace and space. He's supposed to have Golovic to get uh, more possessions in order to obviously score more. Um, Okay. But I'm interested to see kind of that. That'll be kind of a thing to watch out. I do know he he's, he wants to fast break from uh, rebounds, especially if a guard gets to rebound. Um, but that's an interest. I mean, we haven't seen it with the Razorbacks or under this new um, system. So I'm interested. Uh, that's why I'm really excited for that game to be on, uh, able to watch it to kind of see how this is. Well, you know, it works well. I mean, you see it work well with Kentucky. They run games like that. You see. Uh, you see it run well with Florida. They run their games like that. You you know uh, uh, Gonzaga. A lot of these teams that run their uh, the not they're, it's like a medium paced. I would say it's not a fast pace. Yeah, it's, it's not a it's not slope. It's like a medium pace. Yeah, they're not going to be walking up the floor. But I don't think from the, as soon as the as soon as the uh, if the opponent scores and the ball goes through the basket, I don't think they're looking. I'm not sure they'll be looking as quickly, you know, right off from the get-go to get that ball in and uh, outrun the rest of your team for a, for a look. But I'm interested to see. So Musselman's going to be the head coach, obviously. He's the guy. No suit on the sideline, I take it. He just doesn't seem like that type of cat. <laughs> I don't guess so. I don't think he's going to be wearing t- uh, He might. He'll definitely be. Uh, yeah, he's not gonna be the best dressed coach, which is gonna be strange. <laughs> yeah, we've been we've been accustomed to that for the last eight. Anderson, but he's the best. He was he's the best. Well, he's at St. John's now, second. While Anderson's there, um, but uh, he'll he'll Anderson will still be the best dressed guy in the nation. Exactly. I was just taking a look, man. He's the the uh, assistant coaches, you know, are. Obviously, really good. I don't know. You could probably talk to us a little bit. That wasn't it Crutchfield who was the uh, uh, head coach, and then uh, was a NBA coach for a little while too. I think it was. 
Um. Um. So yeah, I mean, uh, I know Corey Williams, you know, head uh-huh. coach Stetson. He, he played on the. He played with Jordan under Phil Jackson um, for the Bulls in '93. Um, cool. Crutchfield was really here recently, which really helps around this area. But he's been the eight last last eight years associate head coach at Oklahoma. They've had some really good for Oklahoma. You know, they're obviously a football school. They've uh-huh. had some uh, been to the tournament most years. Um, yeah, they would just went in 2016. Yeah, he's been, um, you know, he actually, he hadn't, he's only been a, well, he, for two seasons at Tyler Junior College as a head coach, but he's been at, at TCU in Oklahoma okay. um, for a little while. Um, so a lot of experience there. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, Williams, of course, like I said, with the stats as head coach, but he's been assistant. Coach Florida State, Oklahoma State, or Roberts, and you got Clay Mosier. Oh, Mosier! Um, so that's who I was thinking of the, coming from the NBA, right? Yeah, he's spent more because uh, he was working uh, uh, last seven and a half years with the Lakers, um, and so the he's, Warriors he, too, right? Yeah, yeah, and then um, so he spent that a uh, lot of uh, assistant coach last. He's also. He was also director of basketball strategy, uh, advanced NBA scout. So he, he knows he knows the um, he knows the game really well. He does use some athletic things, kind of from the NBA. Like you said, yeah, Warriors, Kings too, um, uh, with Musselman when he was there. Mm-hmm. So he's got a lot of some so some different guys with uh, college and NBA experience. So you'll get a lot of you know different basketball get ideas flowing through the uh, you know. Coaches' offices and practices, and during the games too. Hopefully, he'll go to those guys. Uh, some very experienced um, coaches. These aren't first-year coaches. Um, definitely not first-year major college or major major coaches. So, hopefully, he'll go to those guys and use their expertise and experience. Oh yeah, absolutely. I think he will. I think we got a good lineup of assistant coaches, and I'm really excited to have the uh, you know NBA talent in there uh, with the assistant coach. I think that's very helpful to uh, not only prepare players for the next level, but recruiting players, bringing players in, and then playing the style of basketball that we're going to, which is really more of an NBA style of basketball. So it's really exciting to have that uh, that expertise in there. Uh, you know, you got to give Michael Musselman a, uh, a shout out director of recruiting. He just pulled in somebody big time. What was that kid's name? He pulled in this, yeah, we this just, week. Yeah. This past Saturday or, or Sunday, I guess, um, luck kind of did, uh, ease the pain a tiny bit from the football loss, but, uh, Devonte Davis, a guy from Jackson, Arkansas, uh, uh, two, four, seven sports composite point nine five six nine out of a hundred um top hundred guy um top 15 point guard in the nation four-star guy um he was committed to oklahoma state for quite a while and here recently you know he decommits and about a couple weeks later or about a week later takes a visit up here and another week or two later he commits to the hog six four one seventy five uh point guard so um that's a that's his first well he, a couple weeks early he got a four-star power four the 2021 class, but this is first for 2020. Um, there's a lot of Arkansas kids um, uh, with Arkansas connections playing in Arkansas right now or have played from here that are really good, and, and um, he's in on a lot of guys. Um, hopefully, and this guy Davis has played with a lot of them, so hopefully this is kind of a 
could be a domino effect within the building that class and especially Arkansas guys that are really good for even so five star here or there. So, um, mm-hmm. so that's a good, but that's the first kind of getting, getting it and he's jumping on board. So, uh, shout out to Devonte for doing that and be like, Hey, you know, come staying home. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I'm just sitting here taking a look. They got eight graduate assistants, one yeah. student assistant, <laughs> And an executive, and I don't know what an executive assistant is. Know what a student assistant <laughs> is. Student assistants, when you're assistant coach and you got and you're working on your bachelor's, uh, that's what I did. And then you got your graduate assistants, which means you're working on a master's and you're an assistant coach. I don't know what an executive assistant is, but what uh, a big lineup they got of uh, of graduate assistants and student assistants. It's really impressive, yeah. and I'm glad that they're taking advantage of those those students who are, who are trying to be coaches and want to be coaches and, and they're tapping into to those resources because there's so many schools that don't do that. Yeah, having a big staff, I like that. He has a, the executive, um, uh, Terry Mercer, she's actually kind of, I guess, uh, I would say, uh, I don't know, secretary. She just probably does, you know, does more secretary. That's why she got the executive but oh, okay. she's her her, 40, her 42nd year as executive assistant. She, so she's worked from Eddie Sutton on down. Oh, wow. You know, he's for Nolan. Oh, so that's like between, Clorinda so. with the football program. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Exactly. Yeah. So she's, I mean, she's a big, uh, every, every coach. Uh, I mean, for somebody to stay around, have that same job for 40 plus years. But you're right. I mean, they got, obviously every, every college has a director of operations. Uh, but then you got a special assistant. You got uh, Earl Boykins, who's, who's played many years in the NBA. He's a student athlete development. You know, you mentioned Muscleman recruiting. You got Martina Wood, director of multimedia services, and you got video coordinators, recruiting coordinators, mm-hmm. along with kind of. But yeah, big big group of graduate assistants. Big I mean, group. the bench is obviously not going to be a fit those guys, but the row or two behind them is uh, going to be big. But you know, that's a lot of eyes and uh, kind of learning and things. Uh, little things and uh, uh, get taken care of. This should be a smooth operation. Oh, yeah, because, you know, your coaches are going to come in and they're going to say, this is exactly what you're going to do today. This is exactly mm-hmm. what I want it to look like. And if you're not doing it, you're gone. So, <laughs> yeah, we'll get some. We'll get another guy to do it. So, they'll, you know, the the lot of times be more meticulous on the fundamentals to make sure those things are done exactly right because that's where you know, your graduate assistant and your student assistants, that's where they hang their hat on. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, looking forward to it, though. Yep. That's going to be exciting. Super exciting. Glad we got to talk a little bit of basketball. And once we see the team, I think we're really going to be able to have more of a sense of, of what the team looks like and really be able to talk about it a little bit more in depth in the, in the next podcast. So I'm super excited about that. Yeah, seeing kind of a game with, you know, some younger guys, but also a couple new players, things, and kind of how, uh, kind of how they fit in this role. So it's gonna be, um, it's gonna be good to see a game, and expect us to be able to break it down a little bit more next next weekend. So I guess from now on, we'll be able to break games down for basketball. Yep, I'm excited. We had fun with it last year. We're gonna have fun with it again this year. And- as you know, we're going to go all the way through basketball season because we're just as much basketball fans as we are football fans. But 
you know, we know, you know, realistically football brings in the money at the University of Arkansas and without that, we're going to we're going to have a tough time with basketball. So we got to get this football thing turned around. But I'm super excited about where basketball is going to go this year and I'm very hopeful, especially being our AD is a basketball guy and that's what he hangs his hat on. Um, I'm really hoping that we've made the right move brought in the right coach i'm really i guess uh guess i would say uh hopeful for it for how it's all yeah. going to work out i am too I hate to put a, a lot of pressure on a first year coach but i'm expecting an ncaa tournament this year so yeah me too i think that's not, not i don't think that's being delusional no especially when the coach <laughs> himself said that he should be able to go to the tournament. And if he didn't feel that way, you shouldn't have said it when you got the job. Absolutely. Now I, I expect it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's the way it should be. Well, uh, we take a look at hockey, and uh, we can see that uh, the Razorback hockey program is still undefeated, which is awesome. Uh Got a couple of uh, wins over Missouri State, uh, beating them seven to one in both games. And the next game is going to be a huge game against Michigan. We're going to be playing that game on uh, what is that Saturday? Yep. And then uh, we're playing Oakland. But I think that is a, a actually a Northern school, Michigan school. I don't think it's California, Oakland, right? No, yeah, it's Oakland, uh, a school in Michigan. Yep. Yep. And uh, so, you know, big, just big time games. And that's going to be all the way through the 22nd. We're going to have Hudsonville, uh, Michigan. But, man, the, uh, the, these games are going to be very big games for us, playing this Northern Schools. If we can hang in there and come out of this undefeated, we're going to have a really special team this year. So it's, it's really exciting. And look, guys, hey. And we'll say it again. I say it every single podcast. Just watch, you know, watch the hockey games. They're on, uh, they're on the YouTube. All you do is click the link. If you follow uh, Razorback Hockey on Twitter, uh, Facebook, whatever, uh, Instagram, I think they're on there too. Wherever you want to follow them at, when the game time happens, they'll be like, here's going to be the game link. For the seven o'clock game, they put it out early. You click it, you watch it, and and uh, it's a great time. So make sure you're watching the hockey games. We're undefeated, and we got a chance to win a championship this year. And you're going to be kicking yourself if you, if you didn't watch the year we won a national championship. Oh yeah, but yeah, like you said, this weekend's big time for the like we talked about last week going over the top ten teams in their um, their region and mm-hmm. D three for hockey. So these, uh, I mean, if you go four zero, I mean, if you, you know, splitting's not not too bad, but you're undefeated, so you want to keep that undefeated up. But you know, uh, you take most of these games are all of them, and you're sitting good. You're when the rankings do come out before you go to this Huntsville um, hockey showcase against some southern teams. But you go up north and sweep that thing. I mean, you're looking pretty, and you're really, I mean, so yeah, like Chad says to reiterate. Um, uh, start watching them because when this team wins the championship, you'll be glad that you got in on it or it was too late and before you felt left out and the, the season was over. Exactly. So, 
it is what it is. Um, you know, I mean, I guess we could go over the, the stats and all that, but good Lord, they won 7-1. What stats are they going to go over? They just dominated the whole game. <laughs> you know, uh, obviously the goalie was awesome, and uh, obviously we, we scored a bunch of points. So, you know, there's really no reason to sit here and, and go through that and bore you guys on those, I don't think. Yeah, I mean, a lot of left to play, so we'll be able to, as the season goes on, and more and more games we get to watch and one updating the rankings kind of since updating the stats will give you more for now uh, kind of join us in watching these games exactly exactly so what's going on with the uh, fantasy sports besides me taking the big old w well yeah that was big and actually um good to you chad well you uh you had the highest amount of points scored this week, 174. Beat me, 174 to 126. A big matchup of three and three teams, both sitting. And so now I was in the playoff before that game. Now the revolves rolls reverse. You're sitting right in the playoffs, and me, I'm just outside looking in. Um, you got a new number one team in the league this week at with Van Gundy's mullet. I know Matt's excited about that. Hmm. He's uh, he lost his first game, but he's rattled off six in a row. Oh, wow. um, too legit to quit. Who we're has uh, actually moved down to third in the third in the league. Um, um, so uh, still exciting. Um, you know we're in week eight. So man, college football is going fast. But uh, congratulations to you. Um, some of the big matchups. I'm actually playing Man Gunny's and looking to knock him off. Uh, you've got the Dirty Owls, who's twelfth, but they're projected to pretty good points. But um, you, you could use that win. I could too. Um, kind of some big, um, some other good matchups, but another good week. I mean, so if we run the ball, I don't even have more points with Boyd okay. on the starting lineup. <laughs> You've got Boyd and, uh, Oh, how about this? The thing Yahoo projections got me out at 10th place out of the, they got you in the playoffs. But yeah, if we'd run the ball, you would have if they run the ball like they should to Boyd, you'll be you'll be looking good for the rest of the year. But you know, I may be asking too much from the coaching staff. Yeah, well, you know, they're passing passing staff, so that's yeah. what they do best. That's where they've scored all their points the last two years. <laughs> mm-hmm. Throwing it in the red zone. <laughs> <laughs> Every play too. <laughs> Oh, good Lord. Well, is there anything else that we need to touch on? Is there anything other Razorback sports-related, baseball, anything we missed out on that I'm not thinking of? No, I don't think. I mean, I think um, um, I think we about covered it. Uh, you know, uh, not a whole lot going on with many um, of the other sports right now besides those three obviously huge um, so just open we can I don't know I just too much to ask for a win in football <laughs> this weekend but need something to happen need some excitement to happen for sure golly man we gotta we gotta do something we gotta get something going gotta get it turned around somewhere somehow I just don't know I don't know what that looks like or where that is to be honest I don't either, but I'll be there or I'll be watching 11 a.m. Uh, Saturday morning. I know you will be too. 
And if you listen to this podcast, I'm, I'll tell you what, I shouldn't take anything off any kind of social media, but I've seen a couple's like, I'm entering the transfer portal on Arkansas fandom. Oh, I quit uh, being the Razor, Razorback football fan. Well, obviously you never were if you, you would jump. Like I've said before, we could lose 100 straight games and still watch the next one. That's oh, a yeah. hog wearing the hog stuff. So, yeah, don't – if anybody wants to jump ship or whatever because of this, it's like, man, just please never come back. Never even talk about the hogs. Don't even let the Razorbacks come out of your mouth. Well, we always talk about something that's not Razorback related. So I got something. I got a little. I got a dandy for us this week. I think this is pretty good. Not as good as man tits, but still pretty good. <laughs> All right. All right. So imagine if you're a police officer and you pick up the phone and somebody's calling you and they're like, "Hey, my roommate's smoking all my weed." Okay. Well, that's what's happening up here in Pasco County. The deputies had to tell this old boy, hey, stop calling 911 and telling people, you know, they, they, they stole your weed. It's illegal and stuff, and we can come out there and arrest you. <laughs> but kudos to the police for not going out there and arresting him. But uh, at the same time, what is wrong with somebody? Who does that? You know, who calls the police? And just if you're not privy on the Florida laws with weed, there's legalized medical marijuana. And pretty much right now in Pasco and Pinellas County, they've been arresting people for weed when they've had hemp. And hemp's illegal now when weed's not. Or they've been arresting people with the uh, medical stuff. So they just put out some stuff and said, hey, uh, the memos to the sheriff's office. And they said, hey, stop arresting people for, for weed, basically. Uh, unless it's a whole bunch of it. Or uh, really, that's it. Like edibles, stuff <laughs> like that. They're like, don't even, even mess with that. But if it's a whole bunch of it, that's the only way you can arrest anybody now for it so which is a good thing but just funny that this guy's calling in like hey you know they're they're stealing my weed like at what point you think that you know you got to be high as hell if you're like you know what man i'm gonna go ahead and call 911 let them know that jimmy done smoked on my weed <laughs> handle that situation why don't you have a man-to-man conversation with your roommate, and it's tell his them, roommate. That ain't cool, man. That ain't cool, man. Why are you smoking all my weed? Oh man, I'm sorry, man. I didn't know. That that was I thought that deal. was mine, man. That like was you mine, said, Bobby. anything I needed, man. Go ahead and grab it, dude. <laughs> kind of a York Bowl situation, where man. At least with me, roommate. <laughs> Guess not. Oh, goodness gracious. Well, I guess that does it. That concludes this one. Go Hogs. Woo pig suey.